everyone and welcome to Quarantine in the Multiverse. The final episode of Quarantine in the Multiverse, is it? No, no, next week's the final yeah, one. We've got one more. We've got, no, yeah. we got one more. Uh, just, just keep your track in my head. Uh, yes, so this is uh, the show that is just temporarily replaced Comics from the Multiverse, or DC Comics podcast, because there's no DC Comics. Uh, we've got questions, we got at least one quiz today, and we're going to talk about other pop culture stuff and uh, DC news and so on and so on and whatever else. Uh, here to hang out, basically, uh, and it's great time of need. Uh, but I am Peter, uh, joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up, people? And Connor's here too. Yes, I am. Uh, is that booze? There may be some rum in this pineapple juice. Joe, he really distracted me all night, Matt, because we're recording one of the TV reviews, and uh-huh. 30 seconds into it, he lifts up like a, a cocktail glass and just sips it very uh-huh. casually, slowly. And I'm like, what are you drinking? What? what, what, what this is not happy hour. It was a cocktail. Um, are you his sponsor, Pete? Oh, God, no. If anything, I'm, I'm encouraging the liver. It was at like, you know, midnight that we were recording, and I had a cocktail. What's wrong with that? Last, last week, uh, Ash bought some Campari, which, is, for those that don't know, it's a Italian aperitif. Uses it as a mixer, but it's very, it's very bitter. bitter, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I made her a drink called a Time Turner, and it's basically rum, pineapple, Campari. You can find the recipe online. Lime. It's basically a tea drink. Um, I like the and, sound of this. I need yeah, to pick up a bottle. And, of and with, with, with the ties to Harry Potter. Yeah, but outside of that one drink, now it's just is sitting there because there's nothing else you can really do with Campari because it is so bitter. And I'm not a drinker. Yeah. So, you know, but it was a $30 bottle of something Ooh, she's going to drink. Expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that much so, here, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, I mean... Um, all of our liquor stores are closed. You have to go through the grocery, you know, and the alcohol tends to be more expensive there. But yeah, so if Connor's just drinking rum and pineapple juice, I think that's uh, what did you have the other night? Uh, the other night, what was I drinking with Pete? I don't know. There was a, I had a kamikaze. He drinks too much to remember what he's been drinking late tonight, <laughs> man. To be fair, this was like a week ago now. You know, uh, and this says nothing of Connor's uh, talent level. But I was gonna say he he is our Mitch Garrett's. Who's who's constantly, according to his Twitter, as an old-fashioned every night, uh, and was very upset when Tim Seeley intimated that in Wisconsin they put soda in their old fashions. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, so, that's just wrong. Yeah, so you know, no, uh, just I, yeah, I've, I've I've not been drinking tons. Like the, I was drunk you know, the other night. I'd had a few because it was it was a nice day, so I drank in the evening and. <laughs> Today, it's Saturday, I was outside, you know, sitting in the sun. Need I I remind you that just before this show started, we had a conversation based on something someone told you when I was live show. I was was playing Fail Fantasy via stream just two nights ago, and Connor was in the chat talking to the other people who were there, and David actually told him what Tyler's pick for uh, his Patreon pick was this month because he'd been waiting to find out. And Connor's excuse was that he was blind drunk and been drinking for 10 hours. That was a conversation we had just before we started. I remember, once you've told me this, I remember this conversation happening. I remember saying, look, I'm drunk. Pete, you'll have to tell me tomorrow. And then I talked all about it. Oh, my oh shoot! This, but, is, uh, this is great. No, I, I love talking about Connor's drinking problem. I didn't drink anything yesterday, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love how we started off with uh, the, the booze section yeah, of the podcast. You make it you sound know, so bad. Yo, this isn't like that bad. I don't drink that much. It's just because you two drink nothing at all that I look so bad. I drink plenty of coffee, thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yes, we got a, a ramshackle of a show as, as per usual. Uh, count yeah, that's us. Countdown to the, the regular show coming back. Like I say, we got one more quarantine next week, uh, and I will actually remember to ask for questions and quizzes at a reasonable time of the week next week, because I forgot to do it this week and asked it like 10 hours before the show started recording. <laughs> Luckily, though, we didn't use any of your questions last week, so we're actually fine. We have tons of questions uh, to, to work our way through. Um, but I will start off with uh, DC Comics news. A couple of things here, both kind of tangentially related. Uh, one is that they're adding more digital firsts. Uh, they're not actually original, though. They're pulling them from the giants that were coming out already. Uh, so mm-hmm. now they're going to be... Because they were shorter stories, because even though they were from giants, which were like 100 pages, the actual new material was maybe, I don't know, yeah, 12, 15 pages, whatever it is. Uh, so they're, they're going to be uh, it was digital first so we, we got Superman Man of Tomorrow from Robert Vendetti Batman Gotham Knights uh, by Michael Gray uh, and Wonder Woman Agents of Peace from Jimmy Pal- Pamiotti and uh, Amanda Connor Aquaman Deep Dives by Michael Gray uh, Flash Fast Man Alive by Gail Simone uh, DC Supergirls Infinite Frenemies, I hate it. <laughs> Amanda, oh, the superhero girl stuff is is delightful. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I just hate the word frenemies, but frenemies, frenemies, but in the the title. You know, He's really struggling like to say that. Yeah, frenemies. It's it's not like it's birds of prey frenemies. It's it's superhero girls. It's sure. fun for them. Hey, to be fair, the pilot of that Cartoon Network show, whatever it was, I watched last year was mm-hmm. actually delightful. So I'm not going to diss it too much. Uh, and then Swamp Thing and New Roots by Mark Russell uh, being the, the last one of the bunch. Which I tried once this news got announced uh, earlier in the week. I tried to find because uh, a friend of ours said that, oh, Mark Russell already had a story published in a, in a Swamp Thing. Turns out there's been two Swamp Thing Giant series and one was written by Tim Seeley. So the one that was out was that one. Mm. So um, I'll be checking out this, this Mark Russell one. It's not out yet. That's the only one as of right yeah. now when we record that hasn't had its first issue dropped. These are, of course, going to be one issue every day. So, you know, Superman will be Monday, I think, it's, and it'll be yeah. every Monday. Um, Swamp Things is so Sundays. A, so that's technically one issue every week then. Yeah, yes, yeah, but because there's a different series every day. So there's one. Yeah, but you said that before. weird because you said it'll be every Monday, but well, that's not every day then, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got what he was saying, though. I, I didn't think that was that complicated. Of the whole yeah. line, it's one issue a day. Of the individual series, it's once per week. Mm, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that, that was the first thing. And then the other one is we don't have dates for this, but this maybe gives us an indication of what's coming because we, we only have, I mean, we have next week, which is mostly reprints and a couple of small books. Uh, we have two weeks of publishing, again, limited amount, uh, but we only had two weeks worth, right, on the initial list. Uh, that's maybe gives us an indication of what's going to be coming in the following weeks because we have a list of titles that have now been added to the order lists uh, for you know for, for the, the retailers for ordering books through this alternate distribution method. Uh, so I'll just... Actually, there's quite a lot here. Maybe I won't read them all. <laughs> a lot yeah, of graphic novels. I'll read singles. You'll be fine. I'll read singles. Okay. Uh, Deceased and Killables number three. 
we have Aquaman 59, Batman Beyond 43, The Flash 754, uh, He-Man the Masters of the Universe number 6, Justice League 45. Uh, so some of the double shippers starting to uh, squeeze in here, which is interesting. Uh, Red Hood Outlaw 45, Suicide Squad 5, uh, Jimmy Olsen number 10, Teen Titans 41, Terrifics 27, Wonder Woman 755. Uh, Basketful of Heads, number seven, Dollhouse Family Six, Lola Woods issue five, plus all the all the black label stuff basically is all getting the next issue. Uh Plunge Three, uh Books of Magic nineteen, and then we're on to some giants and trades, uh, and that's pretty much it, yeah. There's all trades after that. Uh so I mean the trades we kind of expected anyway, because they go through the book market as it is. So uh yeah. obviously they go through Diamond as well, but this they've always been through the book market in addition to that, so it's not a weird thing for them to also be there. Yeah, it looks like there's another 16 or 17 actual books coming out so that's maybe another two or three weeks depending on how they split it up. given the amount of those first two weeks i would say three but it's not it's not impossible that they're actually ramping up a little bit and doing a bigger weeks after those yeah. two so uh, maybe the orders have been enough to justify doing bigger weeks yeah this this might look at us till like the end of may maybe yeah so, but no, it's interesting there that i mean it's funny how like essentially through this wonder Woman, flash and justice league of all Actually, no, Justice League was in the first batch as well, but Flash and Wonder Woman were... No, Flash was... A t- it's just Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is the one there that wasn't in the first batch that is effectively single shipping for me now because of this. Assuming this is what we're... We're right and this is going to be the second half of May. Uh, mm. But we'll see. We'll see. Because, I mean, I, I'm not expecting there to be a gap and then these come out early June or anything like that. That'd be kind of weird, but... That that would be strange, yeah. But we're in strange times, so, I mean... Yeah, that's true. Because it wouldn't shock me either. Uh, but yeah, so some books are on the way, so it looks like that we will have a consistent comments from the multiverse once we actually do come back in uh, two weeks' time. Barring them giving us a week where it's all books that we don't read again. That's, that's I mean, that is entirely possible, uh, in which case we'll get inventive and we'll have like a super quiz episode or something, so I'll have time to prepare. <laughs> um, we'll do a super multi-round quiz, uh, all of it geared to let Matt win um, so, <laughs> uh, but that's that is the news uh, so well, we'll dive into questions first uh, uh, there's is, there is one quiz which is not comics related uh, Board now sent in a, I think a villains quiz that's based on movies and TV uh, but we'll do that at the end of the questions we'll do all the questions first uh, so I'll start with the, the batch from last week a couple of people may have asked questions again this week cool you get, you get double dose uh, but that is that is all cool. Uh, so from at Benny Wilson ninety three. There's a few here on on Twitter. I'm just going to, uh, yeah. So that, that's what this first one's flipping one of the common questions that we've we've started telling people not to ask is because it's been done like multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we always get asked, oh, who would be on your Justice League team? Like how many times have we we answered that? So he's mm-hmm. flipping it here. Uh, what would be your ideal Legion of Doom team be? Uh, so this was a a way of flipping things around. This this fair, is fair a, a a boring answer, but I kind of don't care about the Legion of Doom enough to have a, a lineup. Well, Legion of Doom and Justice Gang, you it's your own supervillain team, you know. Yeah. I think it's always your own Justice League. I think for the most part, I don't. It 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 all kind of depends on who the you know the team is that they're up against because it just okay it's got to be balanced against said team right yeah the, the the boring answer is really whoever i picked for my justice league last time i answered that question then take all their arch nemesis uh-huh. and that's that's the just that's the justice of them i had approached this in a doom. way of if Legion i was doom. writing a villain series right who who would i want on the team who would be fun to write you know 
Uh, that's how I would go about it. Because I like when you get mismatches. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys read the, the Brad Meltzer Justice League, but in that first that first arc they come across against a Solomon Grundy that was reborn with superior intelligence. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and they fought in Amazo. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like mismatches like that. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not a bad idea. Uh, as far as members go, I... Yeah, it's tough, because part, part of me just kind of likes the idea of, like, if you've got a Justice League that's the big five or the big seven or whatever, then you have the big five or seven kind of opposing villains that kind of matches them. But Yeah. My, my answer right now might be just the lineup that's on the Harley Quinn animated show, because that's a lot of fun. And okay. The, the Legion of Doom are you know, a big part of that. So who who is on that? Because I don't I don't watch that. Um, it's a lot of Gotham villains. Uh, you, you've got you know Riddler, Two Face, Joker. Um, I think Doctor Psycho was on it for a bit. You got you know a handful of various people. It, basically, whoever they want for the episode is like oh they're, they're a Legion of Doom member. Uh, is kind of how it works. Hmm. Um, gotcha. It's fun when they do that. Oh. I don't know. Uh, all I would say is you need to have like four or five serious villains and then a wild card who's a bit more. Yeah. And usually that's the Joker, but you could you could play around with it and have it be mm-hmm. someone else. I don't know. Does Mexi fit into a, a Legion of Doom so as, as a wild card? That, that's right with their Eclipso in. Sure. I love mm. me some Eclipso. I see yeah, plus he scratches the magic side. I'd have Cheetah. I'd probably have Riddler. Oh, what uh, a shock. Barbara Ann. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, right? is his Legion of Doom. I'm shocked. But see, but then I wouldn't put in any, like, Two-Face. Two-Face doesn't play well with others, you know? He's he's having enough time trying to play well with himself. So he doesn't really suit a team. And Superman's rogues, it's like it's Lex and Parasite, Metallo, you know? Those are other ones that I don't know. That's the thing with villain teams is, really, unless you're Deathstroke, it's hard to put a team around them. I can you see know? like Deathstroke and like Bane kind of get you know yeah. on the same page. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think the problem with because I think obviously Brainiac was a factor, but I think the problem with someone like Brainiac yeah. is that most of the villains on Earth would actually not mm-hmm. want to side with Brainiac because Brainiac nope. wants to you know bottle all of humanity and doesn't really right. care about humans. So it's, uh, it would have to a be a breaker. Brainiac. Yeah, it'd have to be like a Brainiac uh, drone that works with them, you know. Uh, yeah. Not not Brainiac himself, which I suppose is kind of the appeal of things like Secret Six. Not that the Secret Six uh, yeah, uh, ever did ever did a Brainiac, you know, story. No. But like, but yeah, you had Parademon, and and yeah. Gale made you care about Parademon, you know. And then you had Ragdoll, and I mean that's the book that put me on to both Catman and Jeshire. So, uh, which I wouldn't consider Catman a villain; he's an antihero. Um, hmm. Same with Deadshot. Yeah, I think it's easier for anti-heroes. I like my villains to be villains. I don't like, like, yeah, you can have the occasional, you know, tragic backstory villain, but when that becomes the thing, it's kind of boring. Like, there's something refreshing about Joker just wanting chaos. Yeah, I think the, you know, the, I don't the tragic need... backstory worked for like Freeze because not right. everyone had that at the time. Right. And now it's like, eh, okay, it kind right. of it makes him less unique. Right. And I think it works with mercenaries. But like, so like you have your dead shots, your death strokes, those types. But you always need a Captain Boomerang, right? Who's just an utter shit. 
I think I think there's room in each character's role gallery for like certain types. So like you know it's okay mm-hmm. that Barbara Ann's kind of got a sympathetic backstory because yeah. you put her up against you know Doctor Psycho, you put her up against uh, yeah. you know the other Wonder Woman villains. It's very different and very. Uh, Swan, that's that's another one that's nah, that's kind of sympathetic backstory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I was just trying to name Wonder Woman villains and Giganta. Yeah. Giganta's one, yeah. That's not so much, yeah. Uh, and some uh, of the gods are so kind of like, they, they, I guess they're closer to like a Lex than they are like a, a truly mm-hmm. evil character, and they just think they're above everyone and right, you know, mm-hmm. so on. Uh, but then, so, and then you've got Kale who kind of mixes the two together because she's kind of a Lex, yeah. but she's kind of got a sympathetic side as well because well, of the daughter. And that's and that's why I like like what Rucka did with Cheetah was at the end, yeah, she's sympathetic, and the the whole reason she's cursed, right? It, it's mostly on her, but she blames uh, Diana. But at the end of it, she chooses it again, mm. you know. So now now it's on her. Uh, she has nobody to blame for herself. So I, I do like that. There's a way to tweak it, but you know that's my that's my soft spot. I do have poison ivy and two face and cheetah, and there's there is room for it. But when it's every single like that seems to be the thing. Like so my biggest problem with the Joker movie was I don't want to feel sympathy for the Joker. Like I just want him to be a madman. Like that's what I loved about Heath Ledger's Joker. He was a force of nature. Yeah, he's just so. he's just a complete another wild card. There's there's no protecting. Yeah, there's no yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to sort of bring us back around to the question, I would say that I, I guess what I would say, I wouldn't pick any specific characters here. I would say that I would want a theme. So either a team of like thinkers who are masterminds, or a team of your evil bastards, or a team of your your psychotic well cards. You, you know, do you not want like a a balance though? Uh, but yeah, but that's what all the teams usually have. So I'm going for something different <laughs> to to shake right, things up. Right, right. Uh, so you know, so, something where it feels like you know, kind of like how in. Uh, Event Leviathan, right? We've put together all mm-hmm. these detective characters to try and take on this threat. I like yeah. the idea of like, well, what if Razal Ghul, the Riddler, Lex Luthor, and like you know a bunch of the the smarty villains, yeah. right? Say all team up to try and outsmart all the heroes. Like that's maybe a different type of challenge for the Justice League to have, take on. Yeah, how have we not had a Roz Lex story? Because I want to see those two buttheads. Hmm? Because they're so similar, but they're so different. Like. Like Ross, I I know, but one that uh, the fact that it doesn't immediately come to mind, mm. you know, like like I would never want to see Joker and Ross butthead, so that that's not interesting to me. Um, but Luther versus Ross, where they're both these egomaniacal, like they're both Bond villains, right, Connor? Like, uh, pretty much, just yeah. In different eras, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm by so, that. Yeah. Alright. Uh, same same person, Benny Olsen, 93. Uh, this is a spicy one. Uh, would you rather always have delayed John's books but never read anything with the Abdel writing or JRJRR or get John's books on time but have to read a Abdel or JRJR book every week? That was easy, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had to deal with delayed John's books for the last four years now. It's already right? the reality we live in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I try not to read either of those two unless they stick on yeah. action. I, I guess yeah. I guess the question is, like, would you pay the price of having to read one of those two uh, to get John's books uh, more consistently? No, because as much as I love John's, there's other writers I, I love now that I'll, I'll check out. So, I, I again, it's, it's a sacrifice I can make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, from at Booster Green. Uh, 
I don't know if I'll ever I'll think of an answer for this one, to be honest, but what's your single saddest page slash panel made as a scene from Sandman issue 8? Uh, oh, this is easy, actually. Is it? it is, yeah. for, for me, uh, Phonogram, the third volume, uh, the... I don't know if they printed them in the trade, but in the singles, they had, like, short, like, two to six page stories uh-huh. as, like, little backups. They call them B-sides because uh, yeah. of the music theme. And the first, I think it was in the first issue of Phonogram Volume 3, it was called Curse Words. That, uh, or Curse Songs, sorry, I think it was. Uh, that that breaks me every time I read it. Like, it's phenomenal. Oh, why? Um, so the, the concept is basically, uh, it's a song you have a, a bad association uh-huh. with, right? You know, like, like a bad memory. Uh-huh. But in, in the world of phonogram, uh, music is magic. So there is gotcha. literally a curse. And gotcha. it is basically just a guy, you know, it's like it's it's essentially like a breakup song or whatever for this guy. Yeah. Uh, and, he, you know, he's just playing it on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And, you know, it's it's just causing him like this physical suffering. And his roommate comes in and is like, hey, you you got to stop doing this. you got to, you got to, you got to, you can't do this. He's like, all right, all right, okay, I'll stop now. Guy goes back to bed, puts on the headphones and presses play again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the art, just all of it. It's just, it's so simple, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. it's uh, it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I, I have mean, a... outside of yeah, I have more shock. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was, because I was thinking of a, a moment from near the end of Why the Last Man, but it's this. I mean, it is sad when you think about it after the fact, but the actual moment itself is more of a shock, like what just happened, yeah. kind of beat rather than like a sad beat so yeah. i don't know uh, i don't have a specific yeah. thing that um, springs to mind in this category I, I, I did shed a tear in infinite crisis when when connor sacrificed himself <laughs> uh that that affected me oh i had to take that back identity crisis when sure. uh, when when batman wraps up tim and i don't want to spoil why but there's a page drawn by i think that's rags morales that haunts me just it is grief personified, and so so yeah. I remember getting to that point, and I'm like, oh man, this is heavy. Okay, okay, not bad. I mean, yeah, some of the DC moments that stand out is you know when Pa Kent died, you know, at the end yeah. of uh, the Brainiac story or whatever. Like, just, it's hard with deaths because it's so unpermanent anymore. Yeah, yeah. That it's it's not as that's why with with Connor, it did last for a minute, so it did feel like it meant something. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I have the inverse of, of moments and both of them are, are Wally inspired where it was a, a hell yeah fist pump. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot more those, of those, those are, though, isn't there? Yeah. That, that speaks to me more because right? I tend not to, you know, stuff that makes oh, no. me sad. I tend to stay away from. No, I, I'm sure my, these sad moments exist for me. I just can't. Yeah, they don't spring to my mind. Uh, no. thinking about them, I'm sure. I'm sure I've felt this multiple times yeah. in good books, but I just nothing springing to mind. Uh, at elusive goose eighty five. <laughs> elusive, uh, that's a good name. Uh, what are each of your top five active pencilers? I don't know if we're going to do top fives, but we could definitely throw around yeah, some sure. favorites here. Uh, active. <laughs> Now comes the pause yeah. of having not read comics in three weeks. Or so. yeah. <laughs> who who, who uh, draws comics again? Who are these people? Yeah. Matt, who draws good? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. I love, um, I love Evely. I love Lupacino. Um, yeah. yeah, I say all time, but McKelvey. Yeah. Uh, having having caught up with with the Hawkeye books, 
Um, I'm drawing a blank. Leonardo Romero, who did the the Kate Bishop book, that art really, really sure. spoke to me. Because um, um, it's it, it's very Somni esque. Because I love I like Somni a lot, but I don't read enough of his stuff to where he immediately comes to mind. But it is those thick, clean lines of like mid century. So there's almost a silver age quality, but modernized. That's real nice. Um, who are you gonna say, Pete? Oh no, I was I, I was gonna say that like I feel like I'm just gonna regurgitate names that we seem to praise a lot on the show because yeah. those are the ones that spring to mind because we talk about them a lot. Uh, but you know, I mean, if we're counting Frank is active, and I think technically still you would. Yeah. Uh, Frank, uh, I would, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I think he put out an issue more recently than McKelvey did. Uh, there you go. Yeah, better than um, McKelvey. Uh, I agree. More recent. McKelvey's what he's. He had a, an injury for a start, which is going to slow him down, but he's working on his own book that's coming hopefully later this year. Who knows now? Yeah, he's, got, um, he's stubbed his toe, so he can't drug it. I think he had an actual like, wrist and back injury. He's on like physiotherapy and stuff. Another name that comes up is Bogdanovich. I really like his style. Um, he's over at Marvel right now. I like him. I don't know if I'd put the top five though. If I'm no, but I'm trying to whittle down a list of, of names that are immediately coming to mind without having to look stuff up. You know, like because mm. I was thinking about Terrifics and how much I enjoyed the art early on in that. Because I'll tell you what. I mean, re- recently the one that stuck out the most to me was the, the artist that did the first couple issues of Suicide Squad. I really yeah, liked. Redondo. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, that, that was one that sprang to mind. Um. Think it's else. probably because I, uh, you know, Matt mentioned him earlier, and, I, and I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter to see yeah. you know, which pencilers uh, are popping yeah. up as a scroll. But uh, Mitch Gerrards is uh, is a strong. Yeah. Oh, Gerrards, yeah. No, his yeah. stuff recently has been great. Gerrards is good. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against Doc Shinner as well. Just you know since... that's that's something that yeah. we didn't really talk about in the news section, um, because I don't think there was actually news articles about it. But Tom King was tweeting that he has turned in. The final issue of a twelve-issue uh, maxi series that hasn't even been announced yet. It's a DC thing. It's with uh, Jorge Fornes. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's done. It's re- it's all ready oh. to go. Uh, so we yeah, just more yeah, excellent. Once that starts, there'll be no delays. More more okay. on King later. I stuff to talk about King. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Spacey. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. saw I just saw a King tweet as I'm scrolling looking for yeah. pencilers. Uh, there's yeah. There's uh. Ooh. doing this weekly and stuff now there, there are writers who i really like as people but sometimes their work i'm not and king's starting to edge towards there uh, like i really loved the first issue of, of uh strange adventures right mm-hmm. but some of his other stuff recently not saying but one of my favorite issues of all time is green lantern the the, the new or the dark side war stuff mm. there's that too so it's, it's weird but i he's a great follow on twitter like him and Garrett's back and forth is fantastic. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah. it's weird. I mean, hell, if he keeps knocking out these 12 issue minis, I don't think I'll hold that much of a grudge for uh, Heroes no. of Crisis <laughs> if, if he no, keeps knocking no, no, out no. that or, quality. Or the last end of Batman. Or... Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, and Fauna is obviously, I, I wouldn't quite have him in my, my top list, but yeah. um, enjoyed every time he was on Batman. Yeah, really good. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, all right, well, uh, we'll move on then. Uh, this will be a quick one. Uh, at Sean Wall seven four seven, what creative team would get you interested in Jason Todd? Uh, I'll give you a name. It's called Tom Taylor. And yeah. uh, <laughs> well, uh, even, doing it right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, even even Tynan, I I enjoyed the Red and the Outlaws Tynan did back in the fifty two. Um, you know, Tynan Tynan understands the the bat relationships, so I, I think Tynan and and whoever. He wants to work with on, on I don't something. Know, I don't know if Tynan is, is good enough to yeah. do it for him. I think there's a very limited selection of writers who are good enough to make me give a shit about a character that I actively yeah. dislike. Gail Simone. Gail Simone. That's an interesting pick. I think? Yeah. I don't know. She would, I think Gail would lean into his more, uh, n- not negative, but his, his kind of, why we hate Jason Todd. I well, think she I would think lean on that. Well, and I think then we'll turn really... it into, yeah, yeah. It's, it would be really interesting. I don't think I would like him in the book. Yeah, but I think I would like what the book was doing with him as a yeah. bad character, and I think yeah, yeah we'll probably lean into that angle of it. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage. Huh? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> okay. Well, it could write a good Red Hood or would make you interested in red hood i I feel like it'd be worth reading i mean good's very subjective in this case i think but uh i feel like nicholas cage going full nick cage wait wait, uh, hang on what was the question was it what would make red hood good or what would make you interested in a red hood book interested in jason todd that was the exact phrase okay well then yeah i guess (laughs) i mean if you really want to get me you try to look the second death of jason todd and now (laughs) now we're talking I, I say that, and I don't have as much hate as I used fact, to for him. Here's, here's my team. Ran by Nick Cage, art by David Lynch. I'm done. I'm in. <laughs> oh, I'm in. <laughs> do you really think David Lynch could... Uh, yes. Could, well, no. Not that he can't... Because obviously he, he does a lot of art. Anyway, that's that's but, what he's doing. He, he wasted like 10 years of his career just there, painting before he did Twin Peaks again. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but what I think is, do you think he can capture... The madness of anyone else's mind that's not his own i think there's just honestly that, that any anything jason todd david lynch's mind will if, no longer be recognizable as anything nicholas cage i don't know about that if you take the best parts of jason todd and his return you take the judd winnick last days where he was he was uh resurrected via lazarus pit i i think david lynch could tell a very very lynchian tale of jason todd I mean, there's a lot I of mean, ca- David Lynch can make me sit there and watch an interview with a monkey for 17 minutes. Yeah, he did. yeah. yeah. So exactly. So I mean, D- like, David yeah. Lynch is like the only person who I would actually trust to do some sort of like, like if anyone can represent what the inside of the Joker's mind is like, David Lynch is probably the only person who might actually be able to pull that off in a way that feels like it's not betraying oh, the. Can the... you imagine if if they went, "Hey, David Lynch, do you want to do a Joker movie?" <laughs> what if? What if he just re-edited the Joker movie? What I think is, if David Lynch made a Joker movie, it would just be from, from Twin Peaks, James, just on his bike. And it just all goes wrong because he loved his bike too much. <laughs> may, may the road yeah, rise up yeah, to reach your wheels. Because he was always cool. <laughs> just okay. you and I... All right, I'll, I'll start with Twin Peaks references, but that's uh, having a hernia over there. <laughs> I'm not having a hernia, I just don't know what's going on, and I feel like I'm in a David Lynch movie all of a sudden. And I don't like it. <laughs> it's, been, 
What's his name? Hey, Matt. Not, uh, Dennis Hopper isn't anywhere to entertain me. Matt, make sense of it. No. <laughs> That's my relationship with, Shane, with, with Lynch. No. <laughs> Elephant Man, yes. Everything else, no. Oh, dear. Um... Okay, I, I want to stop the fire here, but I'm not going to. Let's go to the next question. Yeah. <laughs> the next question. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go to uh, a couple from this week uh, to round things out. Uh, so, talking Superman, uh, interesting and timely question, this one. Uh, what characters would you read a miniseries of them quarantined at home? Uh, it's an intriguing one. Who? who? Ivy and Ivy. Uh... Booster Gold. Yeah. It, he'd be insane. He'd It'd just be he'd be, there with him being uh-huh. completely normal. Uh-huh. I know how this ends, but I got to stay in here because I can't let anybody else know that I know how this goes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a good answer. Um. I, feel, I feel like you two went for, like, not only obvious answers, but really, like, like... Good answers. Character, caricature. You just want to read. You're self-caricaturized <laughs> at this point, is what I'm saying. Like those were. But the question is, you don't think it would be, it's what you would want to read? And of course, I want to read a booster gold title. Of course, Connor would want to read Harley and Ivy. And I think that goes doubly for both of us. Yeah, the... I mean, uh, we happily read so... each other's books there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Superman has the Fortress of Solitude, but do I want to read him taking care of stuff up there? No. Okay, like, you know, I, no, I'll accept Booster Gold, but I, I don't want just like any of these characters on their own. I want Booster Gold quarantined. Let me finish my goddamn thought. I want Booster Gold trapped in quarantine with someone like Batman. I want Batman to have to put up with him for no, months. Because Batman would turn into a murderer. Uh, therein lies the comedy. Yeah, nah. I feel like. like... A whole part of the quarantine, it's got to be the people who are already together anyway, and just seeing yeah. what, how they how they handle being just them for like, you know John like, John and Damien in quarantine. Sure, like because those characters be, are together a lot anyway. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Rick Grayson and Dick Grayson <laughs> trapped together. Well, that got schizophrenic quickly. Yeah, right. Um, Are we back to David Lynch pro- uh, ideas again? Is is, yeah, it, is right? this Cooper and uh, Doppelcoop? Is this uh, uh, the White Lodge and the Black Lodge? And Matt's lost again. Praise Doogie. Yeah, yep, I'm just ignoring all this. Um... <laughs> all right, uh, we'll move on then to uh, well, uh, one last question then uh, from Matt uh, Stanley Coda. Uh, so this was a double tweet. Uh, so. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on comics being influenced by movies and TV shows? The biggest instance that always comes to mind is the Suicide Squad we were promised towards the end of the New 52. It seemed like a really unique cast and something completely different that we're never really going, uh, never really gotten before, but uh, we didn't get it because the New 52 coming to a close and the movie getting announced, uh, and that caused the, the roster to basically default back to the original kind of cast. Uh, and I, I'd forgotten about this, but there's a, he attached a photo yeah. to the tweet. Uh, I still don't remember. Okay. It was like Poison Ivy, we got Black Hand, uh, that looks like Cheetah there, uh, Talon. Like, it's a really odd cast for a Suicide Squad uh, book. Sign me up! <laughs> uh, so, 
And one dude I don't recognise uh, after him, but hey. Um, send, send the send the picture along. Oh, that's, that's um. um I think what, that's a who's flash the villain team? that was in uh, uh, Venditti's stuff, right? Was he a flash villain from his stuff? Yeah, that's that's his reverse flash, I think. What, oh, is it? Oh, what, yeah. what did, hold on, where did you... Uh, yeah, he was in the Suicide Squad because that was a thing with uh, Wallace uh, during, during Reaper. Yes, you're right, yeah. Which, so which volume is this? Well, uh, well, I'll, I'll send you the picture, Matt. Yeah, I don't think okay. it happened, though, Matt. I think that's the point, is that right. it never actually... You know, this team that was proposed never actually came to be. Uh, uh, so... It was going to be Sean Ryan writing it, who did do some Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. Or so basically, his... this, this this would have been my uh, my Legion of Doom. <laughs> so here, here we go. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really like his Suicide Squad at all anyway, so even shaking up this lineup wouldn't have got me back in yeah but that's not the question though the question uh, that's just a, this is just an example no, of movies right. and tv kind of affecting the, the roster because right. right. yeah i mean admittedly part of it may just be that because uh, rebirth was coming and things were all kind of going back to a familiar thing anyway it may not have been the movies and tv but it's hard to deny that sometimes this happens i, I don't mind it it's an inevitability that things will seep across i mean People always get angry about stuff being, oh, well, it came from the TV show. So what? Mm. Kryptonite came from the radio show. So there's a lot of things. Yeah. There's like there's like five or six big Superman things yeah. that came from the radio show. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure him being able to fly was from the animated show because they didn't want to draw him. They didn't want to animate leaping. him leaping constantly. Yeah, it was easier to draw him flying. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm okay with that as long as there's a give and take back and forth, right? There's, you know, it feels natural. It doesn't feel like they're just doing things. So like... Marvel's really guilty of this, that they go and change things to fix, you know, to, to match the movies. Like when they made Nick Fury the Watcher, they brought in his long-lost son, Nick Fury Jr., who happens to resemble Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, you know, and that, that's such a that, weird one, because obviously, yeah. like, you've got the ultimate universe, Nick Fury, which was based mm-hmm. on Sam Jackson already. Right. So yeah. then the casting of him was like, well, this is perfect. Yeah, and it, kind of, it was his feedback loop. What, what's really weird right. about that, actually, is that because a few years later, uh, they ended up bringing characters across from the Ultimate yeah. Universe anyway. They could have just had the, their cake and eaten it too at the time. Yeah. Uh, but right. That's what it is. But no, but they, they couldn't wait. Um, um, I mean, honestly, but... I mean, my my thing with this is, uh, like, I have no problem with them taking stuff from movies and TV because the ideas are good because they say hey this is something that works or whatever i, I think in the, the, this example where it's like it does i mean okay technically the roster might be more or less coming from the movie but the movie roster was already based in the comics anyway so i, I think there's, a, there's almost two different things we're talking about here one is there a movie or a tv show comes up with something that then is implemented at the comics then there's the other one where the movie or the tv show is doing the original or more traditional version of a character or team so then the comic decides to try and revert back to have some sort of synergy i think those are two different things happening yeah i think um dc i mean i think the reason i'm going to give them the benefit they doubt on this suicide squad being more just mm-hmm. well it was rebirth everything was going back to yeah. a more traditional place anyway is right. they've been really good at just kind of doing whatever they want even at the same time when it was when dark knight rises came out we had dick in the back suit right you know like they, they didn't care they, they were like no. well we're not rushing through this we're not getting uh, bruised back right away you're wrong <laughs> they're not that's, I was 2012. Well, 252 had already been on for a year by that point. I must have seen a Dark Knight then. I was 2008, which... Yeah, that's about right. 
Batman Reborn was 2009 onwards, so it was kind of on the verge. I don't know if it was quite there yet, yet though. Shoot, was that? 2008 was... together at one time. But Batman, Batman R.I.P. I'm pretty sure it was 2008. Yeah, I might be right in the middle of when that was then. Like, yeah, but, but Bruce wasn't kicking around much. Sure. It might, might have been right in that, on the cusp of that. Well, also, we didn't get ultra-militarized Bane in the book. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was... That's fine. Although we just watched that was on TV the other night, and there are parts of that movie I really enjoy. And then the magic rope happens and it starts unthreading for me. But the first first good portion of that movie really goes. Ben Mendelsohn's fantastic. That, um, that movie's fantastic. Uh, the Matt's, yeah, uh, Matt's, uh, 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 there, there's little things that they could have done that just with a slight twist would have put it up. But I, you know, him climbing um, out of that well's. A beautiful moment. I will not yeah, have this. Yeah, that's fine, but I don't need the magic rope. Magic, what magic rope? There's no magic rope. They hang him on the rope to reset his back, and now he can climb. Uh, you don't know how injured his back was. No one checked him out. I, I assume this is more just keeping him in the right position. You know, it's like a makeshift kind of almost cast. Like, yeah, yeah. Thing of just, yeah. It's keeping it upright. It's keeping it straight. It's not, yeah. it's not doing anything magic. It's just keeping him in the right position for it to mm. heal without it being healing at a funny angle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the exact same it's principle. Your, it's keep keeping it's your leg straight. It, it does not work like that. And I might be a little bit because my dad broke his neck back when I was a kid. So I... You oh, that's a neck, not a spine. Connor, your neck's part of your spine. Well, yeah, but it's not all your spine. <laughs> so, like, like, you know, no. It's, it's not just, the part we're talking about here. Yeah, no, there's just certain parts. Um, Why are we even talking about? It? I had to because bring this up for no reason. Yeah, militarized Bane. They didn't. They they resisted, and it, it's fine. DC has been a lot better over time. Like, um, but like like Wallace when they brought him in on the Flash show, right? I forget that actor's name, but when they just made him Wally, and it, you know he's Iris's younger brother, it just fit. You know they didn't jump through hoops and you know made him a you know like a alternate Earth version or whatever. It was just yeah. You know, like, well, that, 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 brother, so that, that, that's that's the other way. Yeah, but that's one of those things where they wrote themselves into this weird corner because they didn't give her any siblings, so it couldn't be her right. nephew. You know, because in the comic book, Iris has like what three siblings? I think some of that. Uh, yeah, two or three. but I think they, I think they retroactively turned it to it's this, it's the same brother, or something. Um, that was Reverse Flash that he thought was his uncle was really his dad. It was this whole big thing. That, no, that was a whole thing. I vaguely remember yeah. that. that was in the Vendetti stuff. That wasn't very good. Yeah. That was yeah. right before I tapped out. Yep, me too. So, uh, you're 52, doesn't count. What I mean <laughs> is, is the Flash TV show took that concept and they, they played ball with it and they made it work better than they did in the comic. You know? Um, I mean, honestly, you, you're mentioning, you know, Iris and you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. West family here. That's one of the big yeah. examples I can think of yep. from... Uh, oh, Joe West is one of my from, favorite TV dads. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, but from like TV kind of transitioning back into comics is, okay, you know, so we, we, we changed the color of them. Right. And we did that before the new Fifty Two, around the same time. No, when when the Flash TV show came out. Flash started in twenty fourteen. But Connor, your gears are My all gears off. Are really bad today, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say no, that's not. I mean, they they de-aged. They you, yeah, they did. They changed that around. Wow, my ears are really bad today. Yeah, they are. Time is just well, not working anymore. <laughs> no, time is working. Time is working yeah. fine. It's sure that's not working. I, I think it's I, I've, I've been sat inside for too long. That time yeah, is just. I, I took a nap during the week and I woke oh. up and thought it was the next day. So I, I feel you, Connor. So yeah, it, it's like yeah. she finally caved and was like, right, okay, I'm going to take naps now. 
Yeah. So I've been telling for like three weeks. I'm like, it's fine. Just take a nap. Yeah, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get called back to work and be used to taking naps in the middle of the day when I'm supposed to be working. You know, that's, that's what she was saying. And then she gave up yeah. and took like yeah. two naps in, in two days. And it's like, to, to be fair, on mine, I ate way too much lunch. So I needed a nap to. That's that's what happened. Yeah. So, uh, but, but back to the, the subject, I'm trying to think of some other DC ones that, again, they're they're pretty good at it. I mean, the Suicide Squad with, with this, with the movie and that trying to. I mean, I would. Harley. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't say they're good at it. I would say they're good at just not doing it most of the time. That's, that means that's, you're good at it. That's kind of what Matt means. Yeah. He's good, they're good at taking the right things, I think, mm-hmm. rather than forcing everything. Can, yeah, I mean, one of the only examples I can think of, I never read it, but I know they tried to put Felicity in the Arrow comics, uh, you know, back yeah. during the New 52. I yeah, never read any did. of it. Um, but... And they had Diggle in there, but Diggle was a pretty natural fit in, yeah. in the comic and worked uh, completely fine, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was in the rebirth stuff as well, right? Yeah, yeah. He was kicking yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he came back in the rebirth. Because I know he he was around. I think earlier. I think he was introduced in the comics in the Lemire stuff, if I recall. I think so. That sounds about right. Um, and obviously that was when Arrow was fresher as compared to it is now. Right. Um, well, it's over now. <laughs> right, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, but it, it went way overboard with a lot of the stuff and it became... It went too far, but the D- Diggle itself, okay, that was a pretty reasonable, you know, uh, grab that fit quite naturally. And when it came to, okay, when it came to Rebirth and we we kind of did this classic reset back to a more familiar status quo, we still managed to have Diggle sitting around because he, he felt like he fit. Actually, here's, here's, a, here's a recent one, is that all of a sudden Harley Quinn's associated with the Birds of Prey like all the time now, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Which he never I mean, was before, <laughs> ever. Right. I'm not sure that's. That's. I mean, it's not in the main because there's no actual Birds of Prey book, but there's the those basically one shots not or, or OGNs that are coming out that are just meant to. Well, there's yeah. a, there's, there's, a, there's a mini series right now from Black Label, and there's the one shot from Azarello that's got Harley in it. So that's two. That's two Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey books. The, uh, the only thing I will say is I don't know if that's going to be any sort of lasting impact or if it's more just no. some synergy well, no, no. cross-brand. Yeah, it may not be lasting, but I mean, you can't deny that these things only exist the way they do because the movie exists. Sure. Right. Uh, I think I will give the... Uh, I, I'm more inclined to give the uh, the, the Palmyite and Connor one a pass in that they did random team-up shenanigans and stuff anyway. Like They had like the, the, the Harley and Power Girl mini that was... Really quite mm-hmm. enjoyable as part of their run. Um, so them doing a Harley and Birds of Prey, while the timing's like, oh, sure, this is why. It doesn't feel unnatural for part of their run because they were doing this anyway. Uh, the Azarello one definitely is more just, well, this is because it was in a movie. Yeah. Give it that. I, I'm using yeah. it get delayed enough that it's going to... It will be lucky if it meets the home release of the movie now at this point. Uh, the home release yeah, already happened. Oh, in that case, yeah. sorry, it's okay. It's they, just they, way past they, that. They brought the home release up early because it, of all the stuff. Okay, yeah. well, I can't really laugh at them for that then because the release could push forward, but it was supposed to be out months in advance. I think the idea was is that the first trade might even be hitting by the time the movie's coming out in theaters, and then it's, it's the, the first issue is the, I mean, it's not even an issue anymore. It's just a one shot. It's just. <laughs> it is just the trade basically the, the, the whole thing the whole thing it was like there was a plan and then it just crumbled and crumbled and crumbled to the point where I, i'm actually at the point now where i'm like if it ever comes out now it'll be this kind of weird oddity of like hey this is a time capsule yeah remember when this was announced and it was maybe an ongoing then a mini and then a one shot and mm-hmm. i still get delayed like five times 
so yeah, I, I mean. I, I mean, I, I don't really want comics to try and keep up with movies. Although, in a weird way, sometimes, though, I feel like they do a good job, at least the DC, of not changing outfits and things for the most part to try and match what the movie versions do, which I do appreciate. And I, 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 But I do sometimes think that the comics can go a bit kablooey, right? And that, that's kind of what the problem with the New 52 was, is that we got this thing that was just so far removed from anything that any of, anyone actually liked about DC Comics that Rebirth had to happen. And in that case, I don't like it was movies that did that. But I do think that sometimes, in theory, and this is amusing because this is the one example of Marvel doing the opposite thing, is that you would think with the Marvel movies being the, the hottest thing ever for like a good stretch of time over the last decade you, you know it was kind of weird that when they were at their height essentially uh after the first avengers movie that for some reason like almost every single main avengers character got replaced with another version uh which is actually really odd um it's kind of like how the video game that's coming out is kind of missed the boat like the fact that they didn't get out in time for the last like proper i mean the, i say the last proper avengers in the sense of that that roster that cast right i I, I actually, I've been thinking about that recently because there was an article just kind of, hey, it's still coming. And uh, it reminded me that it existed. And I, I actually think it might be really smart in the sense that it'll be just long enough that people will miss not having an Avengers movie. They'll, they'll miss not having it. And they'll be like, hey, I can get my fix. Hey, you say smart. I don't think it was intentional. Maybe not. But I think I think they, yeah, they, they kind of made them once they missed it, they, they made the most of it by going, OK, yeah. we're not going to come out too close now that it's uh, it's okay. just fresh in everyone's mind. I mean, the, the game still looks bland as shit, but sure. Like... Yeah, it does. Uh... Again, I, I think I don't, I don't know if they've released the footage. Someone... Yet, apparently, once they got to the, the, the Miss Marvel stuff, mm. that was actually really fun looking. Apparently, Joe, you know, I think part of the problem is, is that all the characters like and I, I get obviously they're not going to have the likenesses of the actors in the movies and stuff. Right. And I even really like some of the actors they've got in the game because they've got, you know, Nolan North, they've got Troy Baker, they've got some really talented Big voice names. actors. Good voice yeah. actors. Yeah. Um, who've done some of the best, you know, voice work in video games that there is, right? The names that we know. And I see those designs for those characters and they feel like licensed. If you, if you compare it to Spider Man, right? Uh, you know, Insomniac, Spider Man, and PS4. That game mm-hmm. feels so confident, much like the Arkham games, of building its own version of their Spider-Man mythology, where here's our Spider-Man world, it's our version. Kind of like how Batman's animated series is its own mythology version of Batman. Mm-hmm. It feels like, oh, no, this is our version, we're confident. I feel like I look at those Avengers designs and I'm like, these look like really bland, like we're not quite the movie version, but we're clearly well, trying to be. Do you know what I think friends? the problem is? Is a lot of the, the, like, okay, it's Captain America, like, his suit, if you try and make it more realistic, there's only kind of a few ways it's going to look, right? And that's ultimately what the, the game feels like, where it's like it's generic, but I don't think it's like being knockoff. It's just, it doesn't look inspired. I'm hoping that the actual writing is better. Yeah, but the problem is, though, is that goes for every single one of them. <laughs> like, they all, they yeah. all look pretty. One of, one of my friends described as they look like the Walmart brand version of the, the, <laughs> the Avengers. It's like Cause, it's, cause, it's it's Commander American, and it's weird for me to like look at a AAA game in twenty twenty and say that the graphics are really disappointing. But I look at like Thor's head, and I'm like, that hair looks really like just rock solid and not moving at all. It looks really last gen. Yeah, he is the god of thunder, so it's got to stay put when he's twin. No, but I, I, I don't want to. Does he use Jello wax? I, I want it flapping around when I'm flying around. That's that's the the, the exciting visual. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, 
Bro, he... Thor's much more of a bro, so he probably uses wax. He doesn't want it to be crunchy. See, see when no. the see when the uh, the Tomb Raider reboot came out, and I played it in PC for the first time, running around and watching the hair bob up and down, like because they they done all the hair physics. It's it's Beautiful. weird because I get what you're saying, and it's nice. And I'm like, oh, that, that's some pretty hair. After ten minutes, I don't give a shit. I just want to know how it plays and if uh, and if it's fun. I don't, I yeah. no, I give a shit because if if it's rock solid and it's like just static, I I notice it the whole game. It'll bug me the whole time because it just looks like well, cheap and nasty. I, I, I happily go back and play games from years ago that are graphically dated by today's standards, like very significantly. Gameplay holds up. It's still a good game. Yeah, I'm not saying no. that isn't the case, but like we're not in those eras now. We're no, in no, a new but, era. Like, it's why it, it doesn't bother me uh, because I do it so often. It doesn't bother even on a new game. It just doesn't bother me as much. Where sure it's nice if it looks good. Sure, it's great, but the uh, the the feeling that you're talking about of like it, you know it, you you notice it, I I lose that after like five minutes, and I just kind of end up with okay, this is what it is, and it stops. Nah, it stops pulling me out of it. Nah, as long it. as the game's good enough to keep my attention. I mean, I may, I may still like the game for other reasons, but like I, I will always annoy me that, that something uh, looks that weirdly dated. For for me, it's it's a problem that compounds if the game. If it's not fun enough or it's losing my attention, then the graphics compound and I notice them more because my attention is there to be grabbed by the, the looking dated. If the game is good enough that I'm that I'm I'm invested, I'm into it, I'm having fun, I tend to not even notice them as much. It just it, it doesn't catch my eye because I'm too busy having fun. If it's something that games that have a fraction of the budget can pull off, um it, we're at the point where if a triple A game's making this mistake or not being able to pull something off, I'm just kinda like why well, well, you never know maybe this is why they delayed it oh so they could fix the hair <laughs> you, you, you just don't know so so that so that thor's he's like an action figure it's just it's like he's got the plastic you know hair on his head that's what it looks like Bugs me. the short hair whatever because it's short hair i mean short hair doesn't move it's one of the benefits of the short hair characters but but black widow and thor their hair just looks like bleh I don't know why the question led us to that point, but hey, that's where we are. Well, it is an adaptation, so it fits in that. That's true, that's true. And likewise, I mean, Carr tried to bring up the the Batman movies and failed miserably because both of them were either before or after the Dick Grayson period. Uh, no, but... I'm still okay. I maybe was not quite right on Dick Grayson. Was right on that cusp of Bruce <laughs> out of the picture. Let me let point. me make my point. All right, you can defend yourself, but <laughs> my point is that one thing that did come out right in the the in the Dick Grayson era was Arkham Asylum, the video game, and there was no attempt to make everything feel like that. It was just no, that was its own thing, much like the Spider Man Insomniac game. It was you know this is their version of this world and. That's, that's cool i think uh, i think what's notable about the the arkham and the spider-man uh games is both ended up and actually i think the avengers game as well uh all ended up getting their own comic adaptations tie-ins imprints oh sure yeah but... uh, so they didn't maybe didn't feel the need to kind of implement these into mainline continuity because eh, we can just publish something extra i don't think that's why they, I, I think they publish those things because they see an opportunity to make, make a quick penny because some people are drawn in because of those pro- almost, those things almost certainly but i i suspect it removes a little bit of the temptation because they can have the cake and eat it too right they can have both uh... at the same time all right Is that too much video game talk for you matt Is, was it... yeah yeah well, more on that later. Yeah, you've, yeah. you've played Spider-Man. You've you've, you've got opinions. I've played, and I've beaten Fallen Order, which we'll talk about when we get to video games. That's got a video game to talk about. Oh, jeez. I do. Uh, 
my god. Uh, Alright, so... And I'll have the questions. Let's, let's do the, uh, the, the quiz that uh, Born now prepared oh, for here us. We go. Uh, let me just get this bad boy up. Uh, so this is a villains on the screen quiz, I think he called it. I'll, I'll have the actual text up in a second. Um... So, yeah, 10 questions. Uh, I believe it was also multiple choice, so uh, I'll do a, a little roll here uh, to see if who's going first. Uh, yeah, it's multiple choice, four options, just like uh, our usual. Mm -hmm. So, um, who gets to go first? Uh, I've I've moved my dice. Uh, <laughs> I cleaned my desk this week. Everything's away. Take the coin toss. I don't have a coin. <laughs> uh, just, right, look. Matt, pick one. Ted. Flipping, it's flipping, it's heads. There you go. What do you want? I don't know if I trust Connor, but all right, fine. Matt goes first. Uh, I gave Matt the, the option of whether he wanted to go first or second with the heads. Like, you, you oh, may, yeah, first. You may want to go second, though, so you may have given it him intentionally. All right. That's why I gave him the, the option, not like he's going first. It's like Matt, Matt gets to choose. So this is villains, uh, both from movies and TV, uh, this quiz. Okay. Number one for Matt. I should probably be taking points down for this, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> number, one, number one for Matt. Uh, which of these actors has not played Fu Manchu? Oh, God. <laughs> A, Christopher Lee. B, Nicolas Cage. C, Henry Brandon. Or D, Peter Lore. I'll say C, because we're counting uh, Nick Cage in, in the Rob Zombie uh, werewolf women of the SS. So yeah, I'll say C. C is incorrect. Connor's get a chance mm. to steal a point. D. D. Peter Lord is correct. Connor gets a point. Yeah. Like that. I'm going to get my pad so I can actually take down points. So unprepared. Look. Also, C was the only actor I didn't recognize. <laughs> That's uh, it's always some good logic to go with. Yeah. yeah it works. Why not? shambles absolute shambles what hey. is that all he was talking about while I was gone is uh, how much of a shambles thing shambles are? actually yeah, it wasn't yeah. I think it's the last like two seconds but I mean it was a shambles <laughs> alright Carl's got a point alright number two for Carl first uh, which rock star was considered for the part of the Joker in Tim Burton's Batman was it A Iggy Pop B, David Bowie, C, Henry Rollins, or D, Mick Jagger? Before you even said any of the options, my mind went to Bowie, so I'll go with that. Bowie's correct. Carl's got two points. I don't like this, Matt. What are we doing? Uh, yeah, number, th <laughs> number three. <laughs> Who played the master in the debut season of the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire oh, Slayer? God. <laughs> was it A? It couldn't have been a Doctor Who related master question. <laughs> was it A? Mark Metcalf. Was it A? Mark Metcalf. B. Brian Thompson. C. Henry Groner. Or D. Nathan Fillion. The master. No, Fillion was someone else. Remember that because he pokes Sanders' eye out. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll go A. That is correct. Mark Metcalf was oh, the master. Jeez, all right, on the board. Oh, jeez. Um, you're, you're lucky you got that one right. Cause I, I actually knew that one. Yeah, uh, Thompson did play characters. He played Luke and the Judge, 
Uh, Groner played the mayor in season three, and Fellian mm-hmm. played Caleb in season seven. Caleb, that was his name. Yeah. There you go. Uh, number four for Connor. Uh, which of these was not a villain on the X-Files? Uh, cigarette Smoking Man, B, Tombs, C, Deep Throat, or D, John Lee Roche? What was B? Tombs. Sure, let's do that. No, incorrect. Matt? I'll go with C, Deep Throat. Deep Throat is correct. That's, that's uh, from the Watergate scandal. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I assume they might have done it, just to be clever. Yeah. I mean, maybe with the lone gunman, and this is me not knowing too much about X-Files, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've like, watched however many episodes was in that revival thing that we covered, yeah. and that's about it. Wait, I'm confused, this, though. He's, he's added a bit of trivia here saying, played by Jerry Harden, he was a season one informant for Mulder. But the answer, that question was, which is he's not a villain. Right, get... so maybe Deep Throat wasn't a villain. Oh, yeah, he's not a villain now, okay. He's just yeah. there. <laughs> he's a character, so Connor just... was right in that he showed up, but he wasn't a bad guy. He's just there. All right. Uh, number five uh, for Matt, which of these was not a method used by James Bond to kill a villain? A, blows him up by inflation. B, places a bomb against his balls and tosses him overboard. C, uses a cigar as a flamethrower using spray. Or D, runs his wheelchair off some tracks into a very deep hole. Oh, man, I'm not the Bond guy, so I'm sure Connor will get this. Um, (laughs) There's too many ways he's killed people that I can't remember all of them. This is the way way that Bond has killed someone? Which one? Bond's attempted... Which one has he not used to kill someone? Oh, shoot. So he's done three of these. I'll say the cigar and the flamethrower. That is correct. Ah, that one just seems too Looney Tunes. He did. He used it on a snake. Uh, yeah. Not a villain. Yeah, it was in... Is that in Live and Let Die? Am I been in Live and Let Die? Yes, it says so. Uh, yeah. That's very... That's yeah. Roger Moore, right? Yeah, I can picture <clears throat> the scene. Uh, number six I doubt it uh, for Connor screw you it's a great movie which Desperate Housewives actress played a psychotic but sexy Dr. Kimberly Shaw in 90s show Melrose Place I know this oh do you oh, God, of course yeah. you do well Connor's getting the first track at it is no, it a, I know is it A Felicity Hoffman B well, Terry I'm going to go see I'll save you some time uh, it was not C Marcia Cross no uh, D actually no wait that's D. That's C. Must see across. No, man. Son of a bitch. <laughs> all the wig and she has a scar. And she also played the... the I watched the first, like, four seasons of Desperate Housewives because of Terry Hatcher. Uh, of course uh, she did, yes. Yeah. Which, which one is Marcia Cross in Desperate Housewives? Marcia Cross is... She's, like, the perfect mom. She has the gay son. That's a big... A big to-do in mid-2000s TV. That's how you spell uh, Marcia? That's not the only way you spell Marcia, is it? That's one of the ways. I mean, yeah, you can still spell it with a, an SH, right, though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. <sighs> yeah, but on Nona's place, yeah, I don't know the thing. It's just, it's one of these famous things where she takes off a, this wig and she has this big scar, and that's how you know she's a bad guy. You know, because she's disfigured. She has 90s. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. In my defense, the first time he wrote it, it's spelled differently both ways it's written yeah. here. Uh, the first yeah. time, the I's before the C, which is why I said yeah. Marisa. All right. Uh, Number seven for Matt first. Uh, so yeah, bored now. Be consistent with your spelling at least. Uh, number seven. Which Oscar-nominated actress played the lead villain in Jessica Jones season two? A. Janet McTeer. B. Judy Davis. C. Jennifer Tilly. Or D. Jennifer Connelly. 
I have no idea because I didn't even finish season one. Well, um, I, I knew it wasn't two of these, and I watched some of season two. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. could, I, I can tell you, it's probably not two. So give me AMD again. Uh, Janet McTeer or Judy Davis? I'll say B. Incorrect. Connor, what are you going for? I watched like half a season two. I don't remember any of these in it. <laughs> so, A? Is correct. Janet McTeer? Like, I would know if Jennifer Connelly was on. <laughs> that was um, my, my thought. I was like, Surely I'd remember her. Just, I would have watched it. Yeah, and I'd also remember Jennifer Telly because, yeah. you know, from Chucky and Got stuff. Chucky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, number eight for Connor first. Uh, in which movie did Freddy Krueger deliver the iconic lines? Oh. Uh, I'd get this without the options. I just know where this is from. Uh, the iconic line is, Welcome to prime time, bitch! Right, that's your line. Uh, is it A, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, B, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, C, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, or D, West Craver's New Nightmare? I have the box set of all of them sat out there and I've never watched a single one. Oh, uh, man. It's been sat there. It, it's been sat in my front room for about eight months. Like, I'm going to be honest. I feel like Borno just wanted to hear my impression of that line again because I've done it before. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's been sat in, in the front room for like eight months and I just not touched them. Like, I had planned to watch them last October and just didn't. So that's how long it's been sat there. Um, D? It is not New Nightmare, Matt. It's, uh, I would say, because I've only seen two of them, and I don't remember that line. So I'm going to say it's from Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors is correct. Um, the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie, yeah. for the record. I like, New, I like New Nightmare, just because it set the stage for... for uh, I don't, I don't think it holds up. I just watched it for Screams, and I, yeah. I, I thought it was a bit... I was a bit lukewarm, lukewarm on it, I'm trying to say. I was going to uh, the glove coming, <laughs> coming alive and killing her husband, or attacking her husband. Um, so, that was, so uh, can I get the last two questions here? We're at four each. Oh, boy. There's a dead heat. So, Matt, to keep, keep in the yep. game. Alright. What nationality was the villain in Lethal Weapon 2 who delivered the iconic line? <clears throat> Diplomatic immunity! Is it A, you, you Polish, <laughs> A, Polish, B, British, C, German, or D, South African? It's South African. Of course it's South African. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I thought they were at least going to be like yeah. four similar-ish yeah. sounding accents, Br- maybe? British. I just remember that one because uh, Joe Pesci's in two, right? Yeah, he's in he's in two, three, four. It, yeah, and so he's he's trying to get Murtaugh to South Africa, and the person at the thing is like, your, your friend does not want to go to South Africa. Uh, so, because of what was going on at the time. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Alright, so now pretend for Connor, get first crack. Uh, if you get this right, it's a tie. If not, Matt's get a chance to steal it and win the game. <clears throat> oh, this is a I hard mean, one. he wins anyway, right? If, if I get it wrong. No. Because it oh, was 5-4 well. now. Yeah, so if he gets it wrong, you still win, but then you could win by 6 if you get it right as well. Yeah. Fair point. Right, number 10. Who plays evil German Baron von Richthofen in Blackadder Goes Forth? <laughs> I mean, it's a British TV show. I mean, Carl's got a better chance than Matt did. I don't like Blackadder. 
Is it A, Rick Mail, B, Adrian Edmondson, C, Stephen Fry, or D, Hugh Laurie? I've seen this series. I actually quite like it, this one. Um, And I'm fairly certain all four of these actors are in it. I know the last two definitely are. Well, they're British, so of course they're on British TV. Like, that's all I know is, is Fry and Laurie. God damn it, I don't like Blackadder. <sighs> is that the one with Mr. Bean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, B. B, Adrian Emerson is correct, which ties the game Ooh. at five apiece. Uh, so... I don't know what to say about that. I feel like, on the one hand, some of those were too easy. Uh, but there was a couple of lucky guesses along the way. Uh, yeah. But there was none that at least someone didn't steal. Because, I mean, there's 10 points have been given right. out, so there's a point for every question. Right. So. Yeah, we neither neither of us whiffed on the other. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was it was just wasn't as exciting as it could have been. No, no. Oh, it's... I still, I'm still on the lead, though. Oh yeah, you've still got the, the, the more wins, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can have that. You can have that. Uh all right, cool, cool. Uh so that is the questions, uh, the quiz, all that stuff, uh nice and done. And we can move on. Uh to uh comics books that have been read. Uh obviously the Patreon books, because there's a bunch of those coming at the end of the show. Uh, I've got two, Connor's got one, um, but uh, now I have still not read it, I'm on a back from comics, I've been playing video games all week, uh, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I did read comics previously and I obviously uh, read my Patreon books, but uh, other than that I've been on a sabbatical. Uh, Matt, you've been reading that this week? Oh, oh yeah, 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 I finished, I started and finished Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye uh, with Kate Bishop and uh, it is fantastic. Kate Bishop is in my favorite comic characters. In fact, she's the background on my phone right now. Um, so yeah, it's just it's Hawkeye investigations in uh, in in LA and her dealing with some of the fallout from the fraction stuff. So it fits in really really well. Uh, I have to go back and read the Young Avengers. It takes place in between, I think, um, and then follow that up with West Coast Avengers. And I think that'll be the majority of, of Kate Bishop. Because I haven't read the first Young Avengers series where she showed up initially. But yeah, but no, it's it's really good. Uh, it, I, I'm almost hoping they use this as the TV show now. Now that I'm pretty sure Renner's out. If they just want to do a Hawkeye series with, you know... I don't know how they would do it. That's not my job to figure out. But her her in LA trying to start a... a uh, uh, you know, story of the week kind of detective story, I think would be a lot, a lot of fun, especially for Disney Plus. Um, but Lucky shows up, the pizza dog, of course, Hawkeye shows up at a certain point. Kelly Thompson does this really, um, like, she does a really good job at, at creating a supporting cast out of, you know, she goes out there, she has nobody. Um, and then, you know, the people from the community in Venice, where, where she moves, they start to, to show up and, befriend her and she gets her own scooby gang so that's a, that's a whole lot of fun uh madam mask shows up as her you know that that's her arch and it works so but yeah i can't say enough good things about that book um anybody else read anything before i because i've also read some things uh, i just read some more black panther um uh-huh. still good i finished the first the first arc is it's like the first three trades mm-hmm 
Um, it's like 12 issues. Uh, yeah. That was pretty good. And I also read the next... Because uh, after that is set the, the world of Wakanda. Yeah. Uh, mini. It was like six issues. Uh, first five of which are by one writer and are like one story, like a five issue mini. And then the sixth mm-hmm. one is something else entirely. I don't know if... Uh, if they had planned to do more and do another writing or if it just and wasn't selling well or if it was always just, oh, we've got one extra issue, can, you know, and we don't want to do it as a one-shot, so just throw it in here. Um, but the, those five issues in general were um, a pretty solid story. They were, I enjoyed it more than I thought it was going to, given that it's just this kind of mm. side book um, that's set mostly in the lead-up to uh, Coates' actual run. Uh, it's more in the events preceding it. Um but it was pretty enjoyable. Um, but that, that's nice. pretty much all I've read. Yeah, you know, outside of the, the stuff I previously, I've been reading actual yeah. books and games book instead. Books. Yeah, book yeah. books. Every every time I threaten that, I end up just reading more comics because I have a problem. Yeah, um, I have three books on the go at a time. Usually, I usually have. Good lord. I I usually have a book on my tablet, so some something digital that right. I, I tend to read at night. A a book a, a physical book in print that I I read. In, uh-huh. usually a lot slower and then i tend to have an audiobook going as well so i got three going at once jeez so i actually just finished my print book in like mm-hmm. an hour before we we started recording. i was sat outside in the sun reading so i finished that okay. um that was the the second of the the earth sea books uh which i'm really enjoying uh they're obviously yeah. they're a bit dated uh, in terms of the style because they're, they're like you know 60s 70s mm-hmm. uh fantasy stuff but um that's solid. Yeah, but fantasy's kind of timeless, though, right? Like, yeah, I just mean in the actual the 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 ideas are the, the actual prose yeah. of it is a little bit more stilted gotcha. than than you would get now. Yeah. Um, and then I'm reading uh, an X-wing book from Star Wars stuff on my tablet because I'm yeah. working through those. Right. They're, they're split up really weirdly because like so the first four is one writer and it's like this quadrilogy of Rogue Squadron, mm-hmm. and then after that another writer comes in and does a trilogy which is Wraith Squadron, which is mm-hmm. like a. a, a a, a kind of a, a companion squad. Um, so like, like Rogue Squadron, the, the whole point of that was, okay, they're the best flyers, but mm. can also handle themselves on the ground missions as well. Right. Wraith Squadron takes the kind of the opposite approach of, no, no, they're the best like ground team you could have, but are also good enough flyers. So it's kind of this complementary piece. Um, so they're almost like the Blackhawks. DC. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. I'm on, so that's that. I think there's actually another set of books after those first seven by another writer, but I haven't got to those yet, so I'll worry about them later. Lord. And then uh, the the audiobook I'm, I'm on is uh, the the second book of the the Poppy War trilogy. The the third one's not out till later this year. Uh-huh. Uh, I spoke about the first one actually. I think on the first episode of Quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, that first one was really good. Um, second one, I'm, I'm only a few chapters in so far. I only just started that like yesterday, but uh, solid start. Nice. Um, yeah, so I keep trying to read the, the Charles Soule Oracle year, and I just, mm. comics have ruined my attention span sometimes. Yeah. So it, it's hard to get through a bunch of pages. Also, yeah. when I'm trying to read, it's when you know, people are trying to get my attention in the house. They don't, you know, if my iPad's in front of me, they know not to bother me. But if I have a book, apparently that's fair game. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah, we, we were talking about this. I, I used to be able to blast through like 300 pages a day, mm-hmm. like comfortably. Whereas yeah. now I do 
you know, 30 yeah. pages, you know, a couple of chapters. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. slowing down now. What, what part of book in front of me means talk to me? Yeah. Or what's going on? What asked me to do something? So but I yeah, so, outside with a book. Yeah, right? Well, I did that until the temperature turned up here because I live in a damn desert. Yeah. And now you go outside and it's, it's just, it's uncomfortable. That said, I went outside to read last weekend and heard my neighbor singing. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Uh, but no, the, the other comic I, I powered through, and I, and I mean that, is is Tom King's Superman Up in the Sky, which I remember Pete starting at one point. Yeah, I, I read the first issue as well. I read the first yeah. two, because the second one was the boxing one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's issues three and four. So, um, yeah, it, it's Tom King doing the most Tom King story he can, and it's, you know, this... Little girl goes missing, and Superman's her favorite hero. And now he makes a pledge to bring her back from wherever where she is. But King uses it to do his story style where I'm going to tell a bunch of seemingly not connected stories that are tied together by a phrase. And in this one, it's multiple phrases. It's like, I can't. And here it's like Superman can't stop, you know, because he's made a vow. And then the other, the little girl won't stop believing and Superman. So the sentiment I really enjoy, I just wish I enjoyed reading it. And I don't know if it maybe in the format that it originally came out in, it's better because it's almost, I don't want to say dreamlike, but it's very amorphous where you can't tell what era this is supposed to be taking part in. Like they would have been really good in annuals, you know, if they were just standalone stories Sounds like that, it's, it's a series of vignettes that he felt obligated yeah. to tie together. Yeah, but they're, they're still the running the the thing that's pushing forward is Superman's looking for this little girl, and he has to go off planet. And in each one, so like the boxing one that Pete bring brought up, it is really good. And it's basically in order to get information from this group of aliens, he has to box this guy, but basically no powers, right? So it's just basically super strength and vulnerability against super strength and vulnerability. Oh, and Superman shouldn't win. Like, this guy has him, like... Superman's actually the underdog for once. Um, and basically, Superman's not going to stop. It's this belief that this little girl's waiting for him. It's going to drive him through. To Finally, the other boxer just tells the ref to start counting. He's like, I'm not getting up. And they're like, why? You could beat him. He's like, no, he's not going to stop. Every time I knock him down, he's just going to get up. And this is going to go on forever. So let's just end it now. Um, so it, it's really good. But then a couple issues later, somehow Superman ends up back in time during World War II and does a mission with Sergeant Rock. And it's just kind of explained away that, oh, he went through a black hole and he has to get to this, you know, church. And, you know, it's Superman inspiring Sergeant Rock about truth, you know, justice in the American way. And it's like, okay, well, this would have been cool in some kind of annual, you know, like the man in funny clothes showing up on the battlefield and helping them. You know, where he ends up joining the Easy Company with the code name Kansas, because that's all he can remember, you know, about him is that he's from Kansas. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's the very, it's kind of like Nightmares, but with Superman, except not. <laughs> what a pitch. It's, it's inverted where it's about, yeah, where it's about hope, right? So it's not about Batman's worst fears coming to life in different ways. It's about Superman, you know, going through and. There, there's a whole issue where basically he's worried about Lois because he's not there. He's off planet and people know he's off planet and he's trying to get a hold of her. So he's basically in this like communication center 
and it's it, it's bureaucratic hell. It kind of reminded me of of uh, Douglas Adams when he talks about bureaucracy in uh, uh, what was it, the Hitchhiker's Guide, that they keep calling his number and he's trying to tell them like we already went through this. He's like, well, you gotta sit and wait for your name to be called. He's like, I did, and you can tell Superman's getting very frustrated, but he's gonna put up with it because he wants to hear from Lois. Um, because he wants to know that she's okay, and every time he has to wait, he's envisioning something bad happening that he wasn't there to stop. And it's something that you could tell means a lot to him as someone that was overseas in the CIA, right, and had to be away from his family, and he's applying it to Superman, which, again, this would have been fine in any annual, but as part of this larger narrative, it kind of just puts a halt on things, and um, it's just it's very weird. So I get why they put it in the giant, um, but as these ten-page stories, I don't know. I kind of I got to the point where it's like I could read these through the week, or I could just finish it right now. So I stayed up late, you know, fought fought the you know the want to sleep real quick to to finish through them, you know. And, and that said, if you are wanting, you know, I basically I was missing DC, why I chose to pick this up and read it, um, and now I'm kind of like, well, I'm still missing DC. Um, yeah, I'm kind of tempted to just try yeah. some of the the you know. Well, I did. Giant uh, did you, digitals. Did you try the any of the digital first? Because I not I did yet. the Venditti Superman, which How was it? it was good. It's not the best. It's I don't like Venditti's dialogue for Parasite because it's very one note. Because the story is Parasite attacks, wanting more and more power, and it's set at this weird time where I don't know if Superman and Lois are married. But they're trying to keep it, or, or Clark and Lois are married, but they're trying to keep the relationship a secret kind of still. Um, so when he has to go off, he leaves his clothes with Lois, and Lois has to throw him over the side of the building. And she gets mad because he's like, this the third suit this week we've had to do this too. You know, so there's some comedy there, and, and Perry yelling about it, uh, about where'd, where'd Clark go off to uh, when, when all this is going on. Um, but it's basically that, that Superman basically talks to, to Parasite, Instead of trying to fight him, he takes him up to the moon and powers him down. He's like, look, you can drain me, and then we're both stuck here forever. Or you can, you know, try to let me help you. You know, so it's... Venditti writes a very good Superman, I'll say. Just as Parasite seemed to be a little bit off, because he seemed like super manic, and all he kept yelling was power. It was like, okay, we get it. He wants <laughs> he wants to absorb as much power as he can. Uh, and then it ends with, with Lex basically going like... I can't compete with this man. I, I got to do something. So it seems like it's going to be just like a, I don't want to say a throwaway because throwaway seems bad, but just like a fun little light Superman story uh, that hits on all the, the stuff that I love about the character. That's so, kind of what I expect from most of them. Nothing. Yeah. Really, just uh, some fun little stories. I'm kind of intrigued by the Swamp Thing one because it's Mark Russell. Mark Russell. I'm definitely going to check that one out. Gail Simone on Flash. Sounds like it could be fun. Yeah. So I, I do recommend the Superman one if that sounds like your jam. Like I'm... I was there for for Venditti, and I, let me pull up to the art because I still have it on my iPad. Um, because the art was was decent as well. Like it wasn't again. That's the with a lot of these is the art's not going to be or the the story itself might not be the best, but it's oh it's Pellet, uh, Paul Pelletier, um, who did oh yeah, it's a name we're familiar with on this show. Yeah, and he's it's decent. Like it looks like Superman and in Parasite when he's you know, absorbing all the energy from like a power facility and he wipes out 
Metropolis. That was another part of the story. Now I'm going back through is Superman ends up getting Metropolis because they're all freaking out about the power. And well, what are we going to do? I, you know, my medicine needs to be, you know, taken and I need the power to do that. And he basically inspires all of the citizens to be like, you got to look out for each other here. We're all in this together. Check on your neighbors, you know, and again, it's very Superman. Mm. Um, but yeah, I forgot to say the art on Up in the Sky is one of the Kuberts. Um, it's Andy Kubert. It is hit or miss. I mean, when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's you can tell, you know, um, which I think is the Kubert, Andy Kubert in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but no, I do recommend that one, the the Venditti. I'll, I'll be checking that out again on, on Monday when the new one comes out. It is well worth the time. And, and I'm curious to hear from anybody else, too, any, any of the listeners, if they read any of these. I'm curious to see because I saw the Batman one as a story by Brad Meltzer, which I was surprised about. Yeah, the I Batman one has two stories in it, I think. And one of them had Jim Lee on art, maybe? Yeah, I think that's the Meltzer story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I might check that one out. I don't know. I'm definitely going to, you know, uh, save up for, not save up, but put my effort towards. Uh, Towards the Swamp Thing one, because I do like Mark Russell. He hasn't let me down yet. I was going to say, how expensive are the Swamp Thing stories you have to save up for? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I mean, and because I also started uh, All New Wolverine, which mm. yes. um, I'm about three issues into, and I'm not quite sure. Like, it's Tom Taylor. It, it's fine. But I don't know if it just it builds to be become uh, something. Stick with it. No, stick, no, because yeah. I started reading this, and it took about the first... Yeah eight or nine issues i was like i mean it's yeah. fine you know yeah it's it was all right it was but it wasn't like amazing off the bat but it yeah. was like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's all right i'll stick with it it was it was probably around the the early to mid teens where i really went okay. oh oh i actually really like this book now okay yeah I, I have the majority of it i picked it up so you know it's only a matter of time um i i do like gabby although they guest starred in a hawkeye issue and kelly thompson really had those characters down so seeing where they started uh, it's it's really interesting, uh, and then plus Lucky and and the Badger don't, don't, or the Wolverine, the actual Wolverine. Yeah, the actual Wolverine. Uh, don't, it's good. don't worry, Honey Badger. Yeah, like yeah, she's she will she's be nailed already. By the yeah. time you get through that that run, she's she's already three issues in, and she's the high point. Um, the art's kind of spotty, and I don't know if it's the same art all the way through. Uh, but like the faces are, are a little bit weird. Um, mm, I think there's a handful of different artists that work on the okay. book. Okay, like it's not. I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just the width of the faces. They're very, and I know that they're the, the first arc's about a lot of her clones, so it's very samey. Yeah. But like you know, um, the luckily, moment... luckily they they have markings on their faces to tell who's who's apart. But but yeah, I will say though that he the the, the artist draws Laura short and stout like wolverine uh which i like um because i see her and she's she's kind of drawn as a typical comic book girl so to see her like short and like almost like people get this she's almost built like alexa bliss um mm. more so than than sasha or becky lynch that i i, I do like that because that is a thing about wolverine right he's a you know smaller wrecking ball of a human being. Although no. you will have explained to me when when did when did Wolverine become her dad and not just her clone? 
DNA. I, I, was, I don't really think there's a change so much. It's just more of a, like... Okay. They had a relationship to, at some yeah. point. Okay, so is that something that... Because she's referring to him as her father at this point. Is that as something in, like, that Taylor brought is, up? Yeah, he's obviously the, the host DNA, and, and she right. is a, you know, a daughter in the sense that she is from... You could have argued sister, but I think it's more just the age yeah, difference that's, and the relationship they had. Yeah, okay. Because I thought that was because I know that was something that the the Logan movie brought up where that you know yeah. th that's how Mangold played that relationship was like a distant father daughter. So I didn't know if that was that playing out. Because it is. It's, I, it's the same thing you could say between Laura and Gabby that okay they're, they're sisters because they're close in age, right? right? Whereas you you add a few more years between them and you you got mother daughter, even though the right. DNA is is virtually virtually identical. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, the moment yeah. where Honey Badger gets the idea to use the name Honey Badger might is still one yeah. of my favorite moments. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm I'm gonna stick with it because again, Kelly Thompson's characters of who they become and how well they played off of Kate was fantastic. That whole issue where they guest star, it, you know. But I'm just I'm reading this and I'm three issues in, going like, this is fine, but it's I I need to pick Pete's it brain a little bit. It probably to, to took me where... like three or four months to get through the first ten issues, just off and on, sure. being like, yeah. oh, "It's fine," but I didn't have the motivation. And yeah. then once I got to those mid-teens, I read the rest of it in about a week or two. Okay, yeah, uh, that, that's how I was with, with with the Fraction Hawkeye and then the the Kelly Thompson Hawkeye. Like those, I could not. I am I'm gonna pick those up physically when I get a chance because I have them digitally because they're I want them on my shelf. I love them that much. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I never, maybe maybe you'll feel the same about all new Wolverine. I never you know? had a problem getting through those early issues. I'm not. I mean, they're not as good as where it goes, but I never had a problem. Like, it's into. not. There's a problem with them. They're not bad. They're just. No. They're just all right. And I and just know. I think part yep. of it is coming at it later, like me and Matt did. Obviously, I, I was earlier than that. But you know, coming yeah. at it later when I think the series was like coming into its final issue or two when I started reading it. Um, like it, it's got all this hype and, and everyone's like it's like it's such an amazing book and, you, and you're reading these first few issues and you're like I mean yeah it's fine and and you're kind of going if this is what everyone's so excited over I'm not sure I care enough to really you know power through in the same way that everyone else if, is if if I had the weekly comic grind I definitely would be it would be on hold whereas I would have been delaying my DC reading for the Hawkeye books because I was enjoying them that much um whereas i think these would just go on the back burner until i got caught up you know oh shit i keep hitting my mouse pad and it hurts my finger um but but yeah i mean again it's fine like i don't want people to think that i'm like oh these are trash because that's what i'd heard from some of my friends at the shop where they're like oh that's not a good book but some of those guys edge towards the older side where any kind of change like this was not their wolverine so they were a little bit kind of salty about it to begin with oh, i was just annoyed um, when they changed it back to be honest yeah yeah uh, um, actually a good point when you're done with that read tamaki's 12 issue run as well yeah i i started that and then i got behind um i was reading review copies from a friend oh, um, honestly it's, it's a perfect continuation of this book so once yeah. you you'll mean more to you when you've yeah. read the uh, taylor yeah, book yeah, first. Yeah. and i was enjoying what was going on just with the x-men mythos and there's another thing that made me realize that i so i read the hawks and pox stuff and Hickman has changed the X-Men mythos so much that I'm kind of not interested in stuff going forward now, which is it's like a weird thing. Because I like this interconnectedness, like hey, angels in the 
first few issues of this, he's the time displaced one, and I forgot him and Laura were dating. Hmm. So like him showing up or or Laura showing Laura and, and Gabby showing up in, but in Matt, Hawkeye. But Matt, just before you move on, I I feel like I've heard that from a lot of X Men fans who have yeah. who have you know like been devoted to yeah. X Men for years and they're not yeah. interested in what's going on right now or. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to say right now because everything's paused, but, you know, what was going on right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I like, but again, it's why I like DC and when, when they play a big interconnected world. I like those cast issues and I like that it feels like, like it doesn't all have to be in continuity, but just the fact that they could show up and it makes sense. And you're like, oh, yeah, the, of course the young heroes, of course young Hawkeye would know young Wolverine, you know, and the fact they're addressing each other as such. Uh, and they're both trying to live up to the legacy. It's something that it's very Teen Titansy, right? Like you could have Wally and and Dick show up in each other's books at the time, back in the the early two thousands, and be like, oh yeah, they they've known each other forever. So, but yeah, I'll I'll get through it. Uh, it's not like I have anything else starting to read, you know, like as as of the next couple of weeks. So, and if I keep my pace, I'll I'll be done with that run as as quickly as I was done with Hawkeye. At the amount you've read over the last few weeks, you, you know, you'll be done by the time we record next week. I, maybe. If, if it, you know, if it keeps up. If it and, grabs or if you, I, yeah. Yeah, if, if, you know, although I, I, I do, I don't like to start something, especially when I have them. Like, I don't want to stop and, and start again. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I did that with Souls Vader and it messed me up a little bit because I forgot some of the stuff that had happened in, in trying to place it. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move on then. We'll move on to uh, to movies. Uh, I thought I was better to talk about this week. I slowed down a little bit. I've played a lot of video games this week, but I do have a couple to talk about. Uh, so I'll start off with one. Um, I watched the classic. I wanted to watch because I've I've been watching so much like like trash. <laughs> like oh shit, I've been watching like, these like weird like unknown B movies from the eighties and nineties. That I was like, no, I'm going to watch, I'm going to cross something off one of the, the, the lists, uh, you know, because I've tried to pick away the 1001 movies to see before you die and whatever else. And I thought, you know what? Matt mentioned Rio Bravo to me recently. And, mm. you know, it reminded me that Assault on Precinct, 13, Precinct 13 was uh-huh. loosely inspired by it. Uh, so I, I, I go into this movie, it's going, okay, you know what? I've never really been drawn to John Wayne movies, but you know, I've never tried one either, so maybe I'll like it. And, you know, if it's going to be the Siege movie as the movie goes on, maybe I'll get really into that. Uh, this movie was boring as shit. <laughs> Real Bravo is two hours and 20 minutes long and somehow has less going on than movies that are, like, half its length. It's And what kills me is they kept remaking it because I looked it up when, when you talked about you were watching it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it can't be that bad. And then I saw the runtime. I was like, oh, man. So that runtime's going to seem even longer when it's not much is going on. When you compare it to Assault on Precinct 13, which is it's relatively short, right? Yeah, like it was like 90, around 90 minutes. 90, maybe, yeah. maybe 100, maybe, you know, 100 minutes a push. Right. But then they kept remaking Rio Bravo under different names. Like, they've, re- I think, Rio Lobo. Uh, and on, honestly, Matt, uh, like, I mean, I get how it was kind of inspired, but it's, it's not like, yeah. like, it isn't that much of a no, siege it's, movie. It's, it's not even, like, I saw Precinct 13 is so far removed from it that I, like, it's... Yeah. Like, I, okay, I get that Carpenter maybe likes the movie and said, okay, like, the idea of, like, like someone coming for someone who's in a jail cell, sure, but the movie doesn't actually play out like a siege at all. It, it's, it's more long and drawn out, and it's, it's involving the whole town and 
all the rest of it. It's not like, uh, you know, Assault and Precinct 3 is like, no, they're in a building and there's an army coming for yeah. them. And that is the whole movie. Uh, and it's a freaking great movie at that, mate. I, uh, people should watch Assault and Precinct 13, the original. Yes. But he, he made me watch it on a show that we used to do. And it was the one, the one carpenter that kept escaping me. And it, it was, it's very, very good. Yeah. But uh, real bravo, John Wayne, I, I think is a really bland actor. Uh, he, he feels like this old dude. He's, yeah. Who just... He's a presence more than an actor. I don't even think he's a presence, though. I, I feel like there's, like, tons of other actors that I would happily... And I think the other reason why I was kind of hopeful for this is because I'd watched the original t Human in the last, like, month, and yeah. I, I was really surprised by how good that was. And this was nothing compared to it. I, I, I was, like... Yeah. I, I was losing track of what was really going on, the character dynamics. Uh, it was basically, you know, John Wayne and his, then his deputies, kind of Dean Martin, who's this sort of got a drinking problem he's kind of like if connor wasn't Shocker. a ginger <laughs> and was in the old west um, and but like i just like it's it takes so long getting to where it's going it's like okay so they've got this guy that all, these are the people are going to come and try it free and it feels like okay set up the movie there let's spend like an hour doing the siege and instead it spends like two hours of like just it it feels like a movie that like just wanted to fill scenes of dialogue and just have more dialogue for the actors to say because we've got these stars so they have to keep talking because the, the that's that's acting is that just talking and it's just nothing but talking that has no momentum doesn't build to anything doesn't is it engaging it, it's honestly it's like it, it looks better because it's you know, shot in film and it's like you know mm-hmm. a fairly big budget presentation from 1959 uh but you know it, it's almost kind of like the the hollywood version of what a cw show is in a lot of ways where it's just talking for the sake of talking to extend things out uh maybe that's a, and I'm, also, I'm sure it's got its fans but i was bored to tears during rio bravo i really uh i would not recommend i mean i'm glad, glad i crossed it off the list because i do t- mm-hmm. intend to try and see a lot of classics and try them um, right. but now every everything else with john wayne in it um i'm not looking forward to um except maybe <laughs> except maybe high noon just purely because he he basically did a 180 on that movie and like yeah. uh, what was it what was it that david told me he was looking up trivia while we we're watching it he said that um like he he actually ran the writer out of hollywood uh because it was such an un-american mm-hmm. movie uh, yeah, so I was just reading because I, I brought up the Rio Bravo wiki page, and that's on here is that um, High Noon can be thought of as an allegory for blacklisting in a in a critique of McCarthyism, right? And so, yeah, uh, John Wayne ran him out. Uh, the writer's name is Carl Foreman. Um, said he did not regret helping run the writer out of the country. So I'm like, wow, dude, so you are an a-hole. Yeah. Like, it. all of those stories are... They're, coming through he sounds like a complete um, prick and it's not yeah. even like he's entertaining on screen to make up for it <laughs> like he's there was there was a you must remember this about during the blacklisting era and it's all about john wayne and i had forgotten a lot of this until just now and it's basically him him criticizing actors that wouldn't sign up to go to war right during world war ii yet he himself wouldn't sign up either so, which there's a lot of parallels of stuff going on now, and it just it's a little it's a bit comforting to think like oh no people just have always been like this it doesn't matter the era like there's no mystique is at the end of the day people are terrible so uh, but it just seems like John Wayne who is this quintessential American 
that people put up on a, you know, on a pedestal shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, but so. so I'm also looking in that it was remade twice within 10 years. So that was another thing that we talk about nowadays that, that there's so many remakes. Think about all the Spider-Man movies. Rio Bravo was remade first in 66 and then again in 70. Right. It came out in 59. <laughs> So that's three versions of it within 10 years. I mean, uh, admittedly, I think then that's more the exception in the rule, but I mean, I'm intrigued as to why they felt the need to remake it that yeah, soon after the original. And then maybe, again... Maybe to make it better. I mean, maybe. But, and both of them were, were directed by the same director. But, it, but it's both star John Wayne. But it's considered a classic, though. It's, it's not, I mean, as much as I hated yeah. it, it was considered something good at the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But no, I, I was not into it at all. Anyway, uh, Matt, you, you get any movies you want to? Yeah, so I forgot um, that I, I watched a movie because it was that forgettable and it was something I was looking forward to. Um, I like Kumail Nanjiani and I really like Dave Bautista. So I was looking forward to Stuber last summer and then it came and went so fast. And now I understand why. Because it is... Despite having parts that are legit funny based off of the charisma between the two actors, the movie is not good. Like it is, it, it's in like it's amazing that how bad that movie is, despite how good the two actors are in it. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to say. Uh, Betty Gilpin's in it. I hate her character, and she, I hate the way that Kumail acts towards her. She's popping up um, in everything right now. She was yeah, in two movies. She's getting work. She was in two movies we did in streams back to back. She was in yeah, The Grudge 2020 from earlier this year, mm-hmm. and she was in uh, The Hunt. So we, the we hunt, did yeah. we had, we did those back to back. Oh wait, she's just popping up everywhere now. Yeah, yep. And she's in Stuber. She she plays Kumail's best friend, who he has, of course, the you know the hots for, and they hooked up one time, and so he basically bends over backwards and has zero self respect. So of course Batista's got to teach him that. Um, but no, just. Batista just keeps, like, he is fitting the Schwarzenegger role where Schwarzenegger would make these comedies and just they would rely on his his natural, you know, charisma. I just, I feel like Schwarzenegger had more pull, right? Because he's Schwarzenegger. Because yeah, there was me... another movie with Batista coming out that, that got pushed that was with him and, and, a, and a, I think a little girl where he has Did to I help push? her. I thought, that, I thought that came out. Did it? I thought it just about snuck out, oh, but maybe man. I'm wrong. I know the one you're on about. Um, um, I'm not well, sure. He's the, the really bad like FBI agent or whatever. Yeah. Spy. I, I don't know like, yeah. what agency he was or whatever. Uh, yeah. I know the one you're on about. I thought yeah. that just about came out, and, and I just didn't bother going to see it because I saw a trailer for it and went, I'm good. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, well, yeah, that's another one that after, after this came and went, I was like, well, I don't have to rush out. You know what I mean? Like... I can, I can wait for them to come to me. It was called yeah. My Spy. Yeah. My Spy. Um, did, did it come out? Let's see. I'm going to click on it. Uh, it's telling me it came out on the 13th of March. It did, but that was right, right in the middle before. of all of yeah. this. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I can't recommend Super whatsoever. Like it's, it's bad. And if I'm saying it's bad, we all know how I grade comics, right? Like I have a very mm-hmm. low low bar for being entertained it was oh man i just i wanted so much more because uh, so i'm also looking forward to the camille movie that's coming out with um him and the girl from insecure i always forget her name 
But it was supposed to come out, and then it got pushed to Netflix. It's supposed to come out at the end of, of May now. The oh god, so they they get caught up in a date thing. I'm gonna have to look up Camille. Um, Not familiar with this one off the top of my head. So yeah, hold on, I'm, I'm, I'll find it. Uh, where's it at? It's called The Lovebirds, and it got pushed oh. to Netflix. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first things that they called to delay as well. Like they went, yep, "Ask we'll just delay that." Yep. Uh, yep. May May twenty second. So it comes at the end of May, um, and I'm looking forward to that. It's Isa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. That's her name, uh, and that looks pretty funny. And it's on Netflix, so why why not? Car, um, yeah. uh, you get any? Um, I've got at least one. Letterbox is down, so I can't remember if there are any others. <laughs> um, the only one I, I know I watched was uh, Pom Poco, which is the next of the, the Studio Ghibli movies that I'm working through. Uh, this is the one about shape-shifting raccoons. What? <laughs> yeah, there's a, a raccoon society, and uh, they can shape-shift into pretty much anything, but they, they shape-shift into people so they can go and like buy shitty food. Like essentially, essentially, what they is, Matt, it's a raccoon that shapeshifts into you so we can go and buy Taco Bell. That's essentially what they are. Uh, uh, I need to sue them for stealing my life story. Because <laughs> when I'm not on screen, I become a raccoon. Yeah. I didn't know if um, you guys know that. Exactly, yeah. Um, but the, the movie, it's, it's about uh, property development, you know, using up all the, the green space in the environment yeah. so they can build houses and stuff. And it's stealing the raccoons' homes and such. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty solid. Um, it's uh, it's very funny, uh, which is uh, it gets gets through a lot of the movie. Is this comedy angle of it? It's it's very kind of a hijinxy. Is kind of the word I'd uh-huh. use. I think. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not my favorite Ghibli, but uh, it's uh, it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, I think I think Matt would enjoy it. I'm reading, and they said that uh, prominent scrotums are also an integral part of Tanuki folklore, and they are shown and referred to throughout the film. Also used frequently in their shape-shifting. And I was like, I was not expecting that sentence to be something that I'm reading. Yeah, it's a whole um, thing. They're like they're like warrior raccoons, yeah. and they transform into, into people, and it's a whole thing. They got yeah, a so, whole society that's like the first like 20 minutes of the movie is just the, the raccoon society, and I'm like, I'm so in for this. Yeah. So last night we had we had Taco Bell because they they put out a new taco that's uh, it's flaming hot Doritos. Now my they friend, choose to release a new taco. Yeah. Right. And I I don't like flaming hot brand, but my friend really loves it. And she's constantly going and buying the the uh, flaming hot Cheetos to add to whatever food that we get. And cause, and she's as much as raccoon, but she didn't want to admit it. Right. And so last night is she saying that she really loved that and wanted another taco right away? I go. You you become a raccoon. You, you, yeah. Here's your. If I could have gifted her a mask and a tail, I would have. Um, also known as trash yeah. pandas. Yeah, it's trash pandas, and it's not better. Yeah. So, All right. Um, uh, so after Rio Bravo, same night, uh, I ended up with a really perfect companion piece in the sense that uh, I watched a Jim Jarmusch film, like one of his earliest like successes, uh, Stranger Than Paradise. And this was like an indie, black and white, uh, you know, really low budget. And I think the reason why it was an interesting companion piece is because John Wayne was, you know, or sorry, uh, Rio Bravo was this, you know, big budget movie uh, with like all these big actors, uh, all these fancy sets. And it was like just nothing but talking for two hours, 20 minutes. And it felt mm-hmm. like nothing was going on. 
this was a movie alternatively stranger than paradise where there's you know there's the shots a lot of it's set in these just simple little apartments that are really drab which is you know, kind of the point it's kind of plays out the theme of the movie uh which is that uh this guy's sort of distant cousin that he's never met is coming from romania uh to uh to 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 visit um and he he because someone some auntie's get at the hospital he has to like sort of like keep her at his place uh and so he's just kind of it's this burden to him but it's just kind of her hanging out at his place there's, there's literally like some scenes where they'll just be sitting watching tv and despite the fact that they're sitting watching tv in silence in black and white the shot is telling me so much more than like entire scenes of Rio Bravo were telling me. Like it was giving me these little subtle details of like, okay, this is what she thinks of the country. It's what she thinks of him. It's how you know he's denying kind of his past and the fact that he, you know, he pretends he's just a complete American and he he almost prides himself on eating TV dinners and stuff like that. Uh, and she's like kind of miserable because everything's drab and nothing's exciting and like it. But it, it, it becomes this kind of a road trip movie ultimately. Uh, there's kind of a hint that he's kind of, he's kind of attracted to her at one point, so there's kind of like a is it going to turn into a you know uh oh, what was the joke from Arrested Development? I can't remember the the Lee Cousins thing, uh, but <laughs> but you know it becomes this weird thing, and his friends kind of into her as well. But it, it, like it's just one of these indie little dramas. It's got a bit of humor in there. It's definitely a bit of comedy, but it's very kind of subdued comedy, um, very very confident though. Uh, but it was really engaging you know it was it was like 90 or so minutes and despite the fact that like on paper you write down okay one movie's about a siege and there's a prisoner and there's gangs coming to get him it sounds like it's going to be action-packed and it's really dull and then the other one it sounds like it's two people in an apartment and then eventually on a road trip and they're making really just random observations and nothing's really going on but that movie has way more going on and it feels like every scene's actually telling me a story about these characters, and I'm I'm starting to think about the themes, and I'm starting to think about what the movie's really about. Uh, I don't know. It was really good. <laughs> so that was, was pretty solid. It's good. It was solid. I, I've only ever seen one Jarmusch movie, and that was Ghost Dog, which we watched in a literature class. Weirdly, I haven't so. seen that one. I've seen three now. I'm two for three. I like this one. I like Broken Flowers. Um, I mm. wasn't so hot in Mystery Train, but I'm two for three. I ain't bad. <laughs> Mystery Train sounds like a, a fun romp, and knowing Jarmusch, it's probably not. Um, but just based off of the title. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that, that was, I think that's all I really watched this week that wasn't for uh, review. Unless I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. Uh, so you, what else you got, Matt? Um, so I, I, that, that was it. I mean, I watched another surf doc, but it's not really worth talking about. <laughs> um, but I did catch up on, on TV, and I'll make it quick because I don't want to spoil for Connor. But um, Clone Wars season seven, now on Disney Plus. I way hear the it. last episode is one of the best of the show. Easy. It's, yeah. It has, and, and and this is not a spoiler, but there is a duel between between Maul and Ahsoka. Sure. That is my favorite duel of all time. Does it does um, it top the Maul Kenobi? It's different. It's what I wanted Maul Kenobi to be. It oh, is a, so it's what the expectation of what that duel was. Versus yes. and then and then that was the the start reality was although oh so I, I talked sense. to Alden that was fantastic Alden, yeah so so Alden who's my resident Star Wars if, if if Connor doesn't know something Star Wars I'll go to Alden right um he's that that's like his primary fandom um so I was talking to him about this because he kept telling me you need to get caught up because he knows I love Ahsoka right she's probably my second favorite Star Wars character 
and whatnot. Um, I get it. So I got caught up. The The first arc is the Bad Batch, which I already had seen in previs at Celebration. Yeah, and it was, it was good, although this one, there's certain stuff I don't remember. Like, I don't remember Wrecker being that much of a head injury victim, I guess. Because he's just, mm. he was really strong, and he was he was a bit duller than the rest of them, but they had chalked that up to, well, you know, a lot of it went to his muscles and not to his head. And on this one, he was basically Hulk, you know, not understanding mm. why things go explode or whatever, you know, and that, that was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, the second arc is is Ahsoka heavy. Um, it, it, it's okay. It just, it doesn't feel like Clone Wars. It feels more like Rebels because it, it takes time away from what Clone Wars was. But it, it sets the stage for this, the first two episodes of the last arc that sets up, which is going on right as as uh, Revenge of the Sith is starting. And this is the Siege of Mandalore stuff. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's in there. They, right. they deal with Mandalore. I know that was supposed to be in this final season. Yep. 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 So they, they go there. And if you remember, you know, Maul, where we left off in Clone Wars, Maul, Maul was in charge there. Yep. And they send they send a group, you know, they need Ahsoka because um, she brings information that she had learned in the previous arc. So that's why I say it feels more like Rebels is where Clone Wars arcs never felt like they were part of a greater narrative, right? They were just, these are arcs that were together. It was very episodic, almost yeah, anthology-based. Like three to six episode arcs. And there would be yeah. sequel arcs and connections, but yeah. it was never like, you know. Oh, yeah, the whole Rookies arc, right? Oh, and that's where God. Bad Batch... Bad Batch plays as a epilogue to that, you know. With with is, uh, is Rookies the one with uh, with ninety nine? With you know, with no um, Clone Force ninety nine is Bad Batch. No, no, Rookies, no. Ninety nine is in the, yeah. the the really old uh, like decrepit clone. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one that teaches them. Yeah, that yeah. they're all because it starts with Arc Troopers and then they become the Rookies. Then they get put onto that that uh, asteroid, you know, and that's where you yes. have Echo I, Fives. And all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. That's the, kind of where they become their own kind of crew. Yeah. And over the course of the series, you see them, like in a war movie, whittle away until there's only X amount left. And then there's Rex. And Rex bears the weight of this, you know, as a commander and whatnot. So Bad Batch plays on at the end of that, right? Um, as an epilogue to the stuff that happened with the clones. Um, but then it gets into this stuff. And then just, yeah, when you can, Connor, when you can get caught up, it's. Yeah, I think I think we're still a couple episodes behind. Uh, yeah, because I was waiting it. for all to finish, and then I was told that it's going to finish by May the fourth, which of course you know Star Wars holiday. Yeah, which and is they're dropping up. that new uh, Mandalorian behind the scenes yep. doc, which looks fantastic. Yeah, so um, Star Wars belongs on TV, I think, more than anywhere right now. Hands down. Um, uh, Star Wars Dave belongs Filoni. with charge, is what we're saying. Yes, it is, uh, Filoni. So. Just real quick, I know Pete's bored by all this, but I, I didn't like the Kenobi Maul fight because I oh. wanted to be this big epic. Uh. Give me a second. And then what it ended up being was a samurai duel, right? That it's over in the blink of an eye. And Alden sent me a video of Sam Witwer. Basically, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, doing a play-by-play. Of what's going on? Oh, is it all talking about the foot movements and stuff? Because there's the so much going movements. on in the small little yep. animated details in in that sequence. And, and and I had warmed up to it over time because it was this big, like, oh, it's Maul Kenobi. The this rematch. is it, right? yeah. And then it was like, oh well, it's over, right? It's like it's like 
when you go into overtime in a sport and it's over like that, you're like, wait, no, that's not how that was supposed to go. I wanted more of this. Um, but I had warmed up to it once you're like, oh, it's a traditional samurai battle, so of course, you know. And But then the stuff that we brought into it, it jumped to to up in the, in the top five. And the more I think about it, the more it's crawling up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know just, uh, they the had great artwork for the motion yep. capture for for, more mm-hmm. for this this one and i'm like that, that has me excited because in it he moves like ray park like if you Absolutely. have seen those so his and, and i'm just trying to put all the stuff in order because coming like i just finished rebels so there's all of that right and the stuff with mandalore there and then you have the stuff that shows up in, in solo you know and go. that takes and place you've got the the allusions to what's going on with Mandalore in the Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Right. And that's that's in the thing that Ahsoka might be showing up. You know, we, we got word that she was cast, but now they're playing coy. Yeah, um, we heard it was Rosario Dawson, but then she's kind of not confirming it, even right. though it's been shot. So Yeah, and there's the, I guess, episode titles leaked, and there's one called The Sorcerer. Uh, so, who knows? But that makes it sound like there is going to be a Jedi of some mm. kind showing up, even though you can't really call Ahsoka a Jedi at this point. She's just a force-wielding Yeah, she something. left that behind. Yeah, so, you know, but yeah, it's it, it's easily the that hour, because they're both about 30 minutes, probably the best thing I watched all week. Um, I'll get to those it. Two episodes of, of Clone Wars. So, so, yeah. But we're not done with Star Wars. So wait till we get to games. Oh, oh they'll never end. I hate Star Wars. So my much. wife looked at me and goes, "What happened? Why are you suddenly back in love with Star Wars?" I'm like, "I I don't know what just happened." Like it just this week, I decided, "Hey, I'm gonna do some Star Wars stuff." They um they announced uh, a new audiobook thing for Star Wars. So they like a, oh. I say audiobook. It's more of a full cast oh, drama. No, he started talking about no, audiobook. No, no, I'm telling Matt about this because he doesn't know yet. Um. Because they did one uh, like a year ago or so um, about Ventress, okay. uh, uh, Ventress and Dooku and stuff, uh, and that was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And this one they're doing uh, Afra. It's essentially, you know, Afra's first introduction in Gillen's Vader run. Yeah, that, but, that drove me off the character. Yeah, yeah but all from Afra's perspective with uh-huh. who Afra is as we kind of know her now mm-hmm. and expanded upon. Um, and they're doing it as like a, a full cast audio drama uh, that's coming out in like July. I'll have to check that out. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to full go pick up books like other people, although that said, I kind of want the Ahsoka book now just because. The, uh, the Ahsoka book's really good. Yeah. And well, I was telling him that after this, one of my main things is I'm from going so crazy, I'm going to go get some new tattoos. And now, from what I thought I wanted, I think I'm going to get a uh, Fulcrum logo, which I realized is. Ahsoka's head crest. Yeah, yep. um, that's nice. It's nice. Because yeah. Yeah. she is, she's, it goes Han, and then I think right below Han is Ahsoka. But Ahsoka's making a push. Like, Ahsoka is, is is absolutely the character that the fandom has turned around on the most from mm-hmm. that first introduction oh. to being universally despised. Like I was at Jar Jar levels. Yeah, I that first Clone Wars movie, I was so good. But over the time watching Clone Wars. I, at first, so this is my thing with her. I hated the way she held her second lightsaber, the backhanded grip. And then I saw it in action, and especially in this duel, it's like, oh, that's why Filoni put that there. Yeah. It, yeah. It's her fighting style. So, 
yeah, she's she is Filoni's best creation by far, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the way that the the fandom came around on her is is staggering. Like yeah. to the point where she is one of the most beloved characters now, like universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. To you know, as it at the start was Jar Jar levels of hated. Yeah, I I cannot find her black series figure. Like I've looked. Yeah, good luck with that. Yep, and and now I looked, in, and the cheapest I can find is eighty dollars, <laughs> which yeah, so that that'll be a miss. But yeah, hooey. So yeah. so, games, Pete. What what, what you been playing all week? <clears throat> oh oh, new science. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll let you move on now. Oh, that's nice. Temporarily. That's nice. Uh. Let's uh, see. I uh, oh, well, I played more Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I won't really say much about that. Uh, yeah, we spoke about that quite a lot last week. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did finish it over the week. Um, I won't say too much because, you know, spoilers, things to talk about. I think maybe when Pete's done with it in a few weeks, we'll do a bit of a discussion about the game as a whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's not there. It's just although it's starting to get a lot more challenging because it was kind of easy for the first like say ten or so hours, and it, just in the last few, it's been. <laughs> ten or so hours. <laughs> you have got like... a uh, what? what are you still in chapter eight? Or are you on chapter nine yet? I just finished all the sequests of chapter eight, but I... okay. The end of chapter nine has a bitch of a boss fight. Okay, interesting. Uh, but it's definitely got a little more challenging. Where I'm like, oh, I'm actually failing sometimes and having to retry and actually strategize a bit more. Whereas earlier on, it was just kind of a case of ah, I can spam whatever I want and just you can brute force your way through uh... most things early on. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So that's uh, that's that. But uh, the new game that launched just yesterday that I was playing last night, and the reason why I didn't get a lot of sleep, is XCOM uh, Chimera Squad, which is the spin-off game that is set after XCOM 2. It's not XCOM 3, because it is a sort of different style of play. I mean, the, the core idea of XCOM and the turns is there, but... Uh, instead of having your whole squad take a turn so you can switch between them and strategize, it does more of a classical uh, turn-based system where you have a, an order of play so that your characters have to go in a certain order and that is actually mixed in with the enemies. So some enemies get to go before some of your characters. Uh, but it's done from a sort of... Uh, you're, it's a set of fibers after XCOM 2 where after you've defeated the, uh, the aliens... And just in case you don't know, a lot of the aliens in XCOM were kind of assimilated by this greater alien threat. So it's not like each of these alien species you were fighting were evil at their the core. They're, they're, they're There's a lot of mind control going yeah. on. But basically, in this future now, uh, aliens are living with humans. There's a lot of tension because we're supposed to be at peace, but obviously not, not everyone loves that they've been integrated. And you're part of this squad that's a mixture of humans and aliens that are kind of like a backup to the police to go and do missions and it's kind of like you're breaching buildings with like evil organizations in them and a bit through XCOM style gameplay uh, but there's like a new breach phase and all that uh, your map instead of being the entire planet is just the city you try to keep uh, each district from uh, going into anarchy from you know the population <laughs> becoming you know becoming on so this is like the real world right now yeah uh, so Let's practice Pete yeah, good practice. Uh, and unlike regular regular XCOM, instead of having like uh, random characters or custom characters that you've made and can name and all that, you have a set of defined characters who have names, who have backstories, um, and you can tell it's a slightly lower budget game, and it does cost much less. It's a really, I mean, it's only a twenty dollar game even at full price, but they're actually doing it at half off for the first couple of weeks, so you can get it for ten dollars right now. Uh, but like, and you can see what the budget's a bit lower. On the one hand, of you reuse some assets from XCOM too, and the other hand, uh, instead of having full like CGI or in-engine cutscenes, you have you know sort of uh, the static you know cartoon style graphics come up with text. Uh, there's a voice acting still, but there's no actual cutscenes for the most part. Uh, 
Um, but honestly, it works. It works for the style of game. Um, and I, I will say this. Uh, I actually think the story is probably more engaging because it's actually got characters who are... You know, some of the characters are aliens who are worried about how they're being perceived. There's a lot of jokes flying around. Uh, some of them have a, a personality, which is something that regular XCOM doesn't really have because it is all custom characters and you're just kind of doing whatever. Um, but, I mean, honestly, the premise of aliens and humans living together and the scale of being sort of, you know, down a little bit into just a city, I actually would be cool if that was that was kind of part of the basis for XCOM 3. Um the one thing that I wouldn't want to go into XCOM 3, even though I'm kind of enjoying it as, as a different thing in this side game, is the, the turn order. Because I think one of the things you don't get to do uh, in regular XCOM, you get to like, okay, all four to six of my, my team, I get to like bounce around them and sort of arrange them all together to, to form a sort of plan. In this game, because each person only goes one by one, uh, a lot of the synergies between them, you can't necessarily capitalize on because of the way the turn order works. Uh, some you can, some you can't. Uh, it's, it's a nice experiment, though, to do something different, and I wouldn't be opposed to this again. Like, if we get XCOM 3 proper, and then we get, like, a, a sequel to this after XCOM 3, I would totally play it. So, uh, it's something different, and honestly, for $10, like, if you like what XCOM, you for? yeah, try it. Why not? Uh, yeah, I, I say what you wait for. Personally, I'm waiting till payday on Monday, and then I'm buying it myself. Um, like, that, that is it. Like, uh, you know, I don't really, I've already decided because it's only it's only ten dollars till I think May first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you only got till the end of the month. So it's like, well, I know I'm going to want this at some now, point. I'm going to play it at some point. It's, it's a little bit dirty. Now I don't necessarily blame them for this, but all this does it does feel a little bit dirty because this is coming out around the same time as Gears Tactics. And we didn't know about this. this is, they, sh- they basically shadow dropped this by announcing it like a few weeks before it came out. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, not only have they got a game coming out to compete with Gears Tactics, they're putting out a half off to encourage everyone to go and play it. And given if you're an XCOM, because if you're an XCOM fan, you may have been tempted by Gears Tactics. Oh, there's an tactics game coming out. Maybe I'll try it since it's, it looks like Gears of War but XCOM. Yeah, it's, it's been a couple of years since XCOM yeah. 2 came out now. And, you know, maybe you want to try something and don't get a little me wrong. bit different. I'll probably try Gears Tactic eventually because it's on Game Pass so I can get to it fairly cheaply. But uh, as soon as this was announced, I was like, no, I'm playing XCOM that day. <laughs> There's an XCOM game coming out. What, what? Okay. So what's Gears of War? So Gears, regular Gears of War is not a game like XCOM at all. Regular Gears of War right. is a third-person shooter where you're you know, third-person, you're taking cover, you're shooting aliens. Gears Tactics okay. is a spin-off game where they've done it in like an XCOM style where it's turn-based squads instead. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, well, I just I was watching a thing on on voice actors, and the guy that does Bender, Joe DiMaggio, plays a character in Gears of War. Mm. That doesn't uh, surprise me. He plays a yeah. character in basically everything. Well, he's one of the best. There, there's, there's if you're a nerd about voice acting stuff, he's he's up there. Yeah. There's like ten living legends right now that do just about everything, um, and and he's he's one of them. Weirdly, like. Um, cause I always just thought his voice was Bender it, and it's not, he said Bender puts a lot on his voice. So when he can play other characters, like the guy in Gears of War, it's a relief. Although that guy in Gears of War, it's super gravelly, which then it puts strain on his voice. So he's like, it's a yeah. no one scenario. I think DC related. Uh, I think he was Joker in the in, Dark Knight Returns animated mm. film. He's also been Joker in, uh, what was the, the, the Batman which, sure. not the Diedrich Bader one, but there was another one in between. Um, but he was he was a Joker in one of those Is two. Is that the one that like had like Katana in it as like a main character? I, I believe so. That show was actually, it was a really kind of like rough-looking animation, people thought. Um, it was better than you would expect. 
But yeah, but no, but that's why I had to ask about Gears of War because it's a game I like. I I've heard it, but like I don't know anyone that Gears of War. It's it's one of those big Xbox franchises. It's kind of one of their staples. It's up there with Halo for them. Gotcha. Uh, Those are games I I don't enjoy. Um, Uh, That's fair. I I mean, I I played the first two. It's fine. It kind of lacks. I don't want to say it lacks personality, but I don't think I particularly like the personality it has, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, that said, though, it's the only one out of, out of the three Xbox franchises, which is Gears, Halo, and Forza, it's the only one that I've actually beaten a couple of the games of, so... That's because you're a terrible person and need to play more Halo. Eh. <laughs> Halo is so good. Maybe someday, I don't oh, know. Wow. Real, real quick, in, in the original Clone Wars, the, the mini-series, Joe DiMaggio played General Grievous as well, Connor. Doesn't surprise me. No. Honestly, you can tell me he's in pretty much any animated TV show I've yeah, ever well, seen. And he so, played a major character uh, I didn't know about, and I'll go, yeah, sure, sounds about right. Him yeah. or, or D. Bradley, D. Bradley Baker. D. Bradley Baker, and then James Arnold Taylor's another one. Yep. When, when they up there, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard any of these people. No. <laughs> so you've heard their voices, though, guaranteed. Uh, I probably have. Voices. I probably have, but I just yeah. uh, I don't know their names. Uh, so yeah, Xbox yeah, Computer Squad's a solid. I mean, I was playing it for like five hours last night, and it was it was good. Wow. It was good. So uh, I'll I'll be back to that. Uh, but yeah, just that and more Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I did just build my new PC yesterday, and I've not. Put, I mean, it's still the same graphics card. Uh, but I will say, I was doing some tests, and it it does seem like uh, it has benefited. Like I think my RAM was maybe bottlenecking some games before, mm-hmm. so I think uh, like how having much not only more RAM but much faster RAM uh, and a much Makes faster a processor uh definitely is is upped things even before I get other stuff. So I'm going to get a new monitor first uh before i do a graphics card because uh, my thing is is that by the time I'm, i can afford the graphics card if i if they've announced the 3000 series by then i might be like more tempted to wait for the new ones but then i might not i may just say screw and get a 2070 super which is what i've got my island just now but either way uh hmm. yeah i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna mood maybe that's partly because i'm getting new hardware but it's also i've had between resident evil 3 final fantasy and now XCOM, which came out of nowhere um, I don't usually have so many new games back to back that I'm interested in, but that just seems to have happened recently. I mean, so just think, we would have been going right into Last of Us as well in like a Ooh, week's I time, or I whatever it would have been. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to tell my brother what Pete told me about that game. Um, <laughs> Try to. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't listen. I love my brother, but when it comes to video games, because he knows I I I don't know things, I was like, he's like, oh, you just need to go buy Last of Us when it comes out. Or Last of Us 2. And I was like, I was under the impression they were just going to wait for 5 now. He's like, oh, no, no, they, they, they can't. Uh, they don't want to. And I was like, this goes against everything Pete had told me, and well, I trust Pete. Yeah, well, there's nothing official that says no. they're going to wait for 5. As, but, as of right now, officially, it is still coming to the PlayStation 4. Yeah, and gotcha. it, it, technically they've always promised that. I, the, the reason why I think that it might go to 5, though, the, the one piece of evidence is the fact that not only did they delay it, they cancelled all the pre-orders and gave everyone their money back. And that feels like a weird thing to do if it's just going to be delayed for a few months. And I suspect it'll yeah. still launch on PS4 at the same time. But what this does is it gives people the option to choose to buy it on PS5 yeah. instead without feeling like they've been double charged. Yeah, and that's what I tried to explain to him, but he wasn't having any of it. And he's like, oh, I'm still getting mine for the PlayStation 4. I was like, all right, I know you're very passionate about this game. 
Yeah, but... I think anyone who isn't planning on getting a PS5 uh, at launch, yeah. um, but really wants to, you know, has a PS4 and really wants to play Last of Us 2, I like 99% sure that they will still be able to play it on the same day as anyone who has a yeah. PS5. That said, though, even if it's out in PS4 on the same day, I will still get a PS5 to play Last of Us 2 because I want to play the best version of Last of Us 2. Uh, it's, this is actually what yeah. I was saying a couple of months ago where, where it, when it was supposed to be coming out like this week where I was like, oh, I yeah, don't no, want to yeah. play it. But I wouldn't have wait, I, I waited to do it, though. But if they're out on the same day and the choice is oh, either yeah. buy a PS5 and play the better version, I'll get the PS5 and play the better yeah, version. Like I was so already where... at that point of, maybe I just wait, because I'm on a, a, a base PS4, not a PS4 Pro. And I'm like, well, maybe I just wait and get the PS5 and play it on there and get the, the better experience. Now it's can, kind can, of pretty much decided for me. Without spoilers, why is this game so beloved? Is it the story? It, the story's it's, phenomenal. Yeah, it's the, the writing and the characters, uh, the acting. Okay. Uh, it's the best I, I, in any video game, and I love the okay. gameplay. I I think the uh, the scavenging and the the stealth horror gameplay. Uh, is, he he knows I don't like that type of stuff. So what he? Because I know you've been pushing me to, <laughs> to play it. Uh, I still no. I still think Matt. Even the yeah. gameplay. It's if you're not a big fan of the gameplay. Turn yeah. the difficulty down, whatever, because it's that's yeah, not well, the, the that's not the showpiece of the game. Like the gameplay is gotcha. fine, it's good enough, it's enjoyable enough, right? Um, yeah. It's it's not bad enough to distract me or anything, but it is the the writing and the acting I, that is the star of the show. There. Uh, as I tell other people, keep in mind you're talking to a barbarian, all right? Like, yes, I'm 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 civilized when it comes to things, but when it comes to characters I like to play as, it's Indiana Jones, right? I'm gonna make it up as I go along, and I'm gonna smash my way out of things. When you start adding finesse to certain things, I get frustrated very easily, and then it's no longer fun. So Spider-Man was great because it balanced those things, right? Like there was missions where you had to finesse and and be crafty, but then there's other things where I could just go and hit buttons and beat up guys. Um, there's there's not a whole lot around after this. Yeah, and so that's where I try to talk to you know, like I oh, again, it makes me seem like I don't trust my brother. When I, I do, but I trust Pete a little bit more, right? Because, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was to play God of Walmart. Plenty of smashing yeah, up people. That's, that's next. I'm going to 100% uh, fall in order. I got to go back and, and do some exploration. When I get bored of that, that, that's ready to go. It's already downloaded from from the store. So uh, cool. ready to go. Cool. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean... I mean, that said, though, they're, they're talking about the PS5 having limited availability this year uh, for yep. obvious reasons. Uh, so, well, my big concern now is that it's going to Last of Us 2 will be on PS5 day one uh, with PS4, but I just won't be able to get a PS5, and I'm going to be annoyed that I have to play the PS4 yeah, version just because I, I can't I get it. I will put in my pre-order for a PS5 the day they're announced. <laughs> I, I probably will, too. J- just, just for the sake of try to guarantee a slot for it yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um and the reason and well, part of the reason why i'm tempted to still get the graphics card early even though i could wait and get a better one later in the year potentially is one i'm still concerned that those will be limited and hard to get when they come out because they usually awesome. are at first and because of what's going on this year even more so uh but also i really want the new graphics card before cyberpunk like I really want to have a beef up card for that. That's assuming Cyberpunk still comes out in September. They're, they're insisting. They've insisted multiple times, based on what's going on, that they're still they're just polishing from home now. Yeah. And... The the uh, the thing that maybe will dampen that that's happened in the last like two days since they made this statement <sighs> mm-hmm. is that the the Polish distributor for their games, which obviously they're, they're a Polish company, so this is their home turf. 
the the Polish distributor went into administration. Um, I think what uh, works in favor versus something like The Last of Us, because the reason for that was the, oh, we can't print the discs and blah, blah. I think CD Projekt Red, I think will happily lead into just doing digital, if that's the only option at first, if, if that's the way they're going to go. Because A, they're primarily a PC developer, right? So which is all digital, basically, anyway, outside of collector's editions. And while they do get a lot of revenue from the consoles, I think they would be happy to just, hey, it's out in digital... You know. It's uh, it's harder in a post Witcher three world. Before Witcher three, absolutely, I think you know, no questions asked. Uh, I think Witcher three gave them popularity to a new heights that, that that they might have to reconsider when it comes to it. Joe, Joe, I think no, I think I think it's big enough that I think this is a game that you can do this with, and it will encourage people who would never have bought it physically. Or, no, sorry, they would have bought it physically but never bought digital. Not because they can't, because their internet's not good enough or whatever, just because they always buy physical because they're just set in their ways. I think this is a game that's big enough to sway people uh, because they just want to play Cyberpunk. And uh, so one of the great points I heard this week about Cyberpunk, actually, is that uh, I, I, I actually I really agree with this, is that I love that it's being promoted purely as its own thing. It's not like the start of a franchise. I mean, it could have sequels, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's just definitely never having anything else but it doesn't feel like it's set it's just it's being promoted as part of a chain of things where uh there's going to be tie-in things left and right it's part of a cinematic universe or it's part of this or it's part of that so no no we're making a video game that is single player it's standalone it has a beginning middle and end there will be expansions sure but like it's you know honestly i think there's a in games in the last like year or so there's quite a good few examples of this uh cropping up more than there was in like in the four or five years beforehand, I felt we were kind of getting away from that. And then in the last year or so, I'm like, no, there's, there's good games being there's made. There's definitely more. I, I think what I mean by this is that not only does it exist, it's also like being so, it's been treated like the biggest thing. It's been treated like, you know, because so often like they treat like the sequels and the potential reboots as the big things to promote and put all the money behind. And I think I love that, you know, between CD Projekt Red and I guess Microsoft are also backing them a lot. Like, no, no, we're going to treat this like the big landmark shift. And, you know, Witcher 3 sold a lot of graphics cards for PCs. And I feel like, I mean, even I'm talking about it, but I feel like Cyberpunk's going to do the same again, where if you've not already upgraded to like a reasonably modern card, you're probably tempted because Cyberpunk's going to push it further than it's ever been pushed. Uh, so it's super exciting. And I'm going to 1440p, so I need a bit of extra power. <laughs> so, uh, so. Cool. I get that feeling because my my screen's 4K, but obviously I can't. My, my card can't run most games at 4K. Uh, a couple of older things with patches, sure, but it, it, I tend to have to put the output resolution as 4K and then scale mm. down. I think. Uh, well, I'm going with 1440p because I'm going with the high free re- refresh rate. I think there's like a sweet spot there where you can get so, a lot of frames. Uh, this yeah. was not like. I mean, I I moved in the old TV from from the front room <laughs> that, that, and that happened to be 4K. All so, right, cool. Yeah. Uh, Nah, I'm. I, I, I'll be honest. Though buying a computer monitor is a pain because like there's like three different technologies and all of them have a caveat and it's like, oh, which one's going to annoy me more so I can yeah. avoid that one? And it's just I, I hate it. Uh, anyway, Matt's now bored. I'm going tech talk I, on him. Yep. <laughs> Switch back over to actual games. You guys can talk. Yeah, you guys can talk about whatever. I'm. I, I'm uh, looking up hockey merchandise right now, so we're good. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, so. I miss hockey so much. <laughs> no. Um, also, and the, the reason why I'm getting a, a monitor before a car, just to wrap this up, is because I'm already annoyed having the second, the new PC functioning. I'm already annoyed at only having two screens between them. 
Well, like, I need I need at least a third one. Uh, so yeah, that would infuriate me. I use two screens on a just on a daily basis for for my one system. Yeah. Um. So I need one. So obviously the new one will mainly be tied to the new the newer system, and they'll both share the TV. The old one will be tied to the old monitor, uh, and I can dance around from there. But um, yeah, it also doesn't help that my old monitor only has one input at a time. You can't like switch over by the button. Oh, that's infuriating. Yeah. So as what it is. Uh, all right. Uh, what do I want to hear about first? Do I want to hear about Carter talk about Yakuza 0, or do I want to hear Matt talk about Fallen Order? Hey, I've got multiple games to talk about. Multiple? Like, well, how did you have time for more? You did... oh, all I know, Pete, is real quick, is that the <laughs> characters from New Japan show up in Yakuza 6, and I someone really? on Reddit put together the storyline in order, and it's completely wild. Um, <laughs> it, makes, it makes zero sense in terms of these characters interacting. Like, Naito uh, is is like a lieutenant of Okada, which just doesn't make sense because they're constant rivals. However, just the story of what it means, and they basically turn the stable chaos into a street gang, it's completely wild. That's pretty funny. So, uh, I yeah. will say, I actually, before Carl starts talking about because he's, he's definitely played more than me now, but I, I I did play a couple hours of Yakuza 0 when I got it on like really cheap, yeah. like, like two years ago, something like that. Um and it seems like an interesting game. There is something cool about playing a game that is completely like made for Japan. Like, you know, it's all in Japanese. It's like watching a foreign movie, but I'm playing it instead. And usually that doesn't happen because usually they'll just translate it and it's fine because it's animated right. and, you know, whatever. But this is, you know, this is in Japanese with English subtitles. And you're just going to deal with it. Um, but holy shit, there's a lot of talking. Like, there's that, like, the, oh, of, yeah. the, of the two hours I played, like, I, I would say like it, over half of it was just cutscenes of people talking. Uh, I mean, I, because I, so. I'll start with Yakuza Zero. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll talk about the other little bits after because Yakuza Zero is the main event. Obviously, yeah. I, I would. From where we were last week, I finished off Final Fantasy on Monday. I think it took me about five mm-hmm. or six days to finish that game in total. Um, and then I shifted on to something else, which I'll get to, and uh, I did a little break on that. Sure. But then I thought, okay. Can I go through all these games so quickly and spend all this time playing games? It's reminding me of Adam Scott in Parts and Rec when he's made the little miniature uh, movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, see what I've done? This is what I've done in my quarantine. Would a, this, this is what a, would a depressed what? man make this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is? This is the most time I've had to just play games in years. And like... I think for, for a long time, I, I, I've struggled to kind of play uh, any sort of bigger games for a few years now um, because of the time commitment that even a medium-sized game has where like if, if I want to watch a movie, sure, it's two, two and a half hours, one night, that's fine. Whereas with a game, okay, it's 30 hours, so that's a couple hours every night for like two weeks, sure. It's a lot harder to squeeze into my schedule around all the stuff that we do. So I've kind of been doing a lot less of it, which is frustrating. And now that I've got the time, it's like, well, I can. Like, I blasted 36 hours of Final Fantasy over five days. Um, because what else am I going to do? <laughs> like, I can't. I don't even feel guilty about it because, sure, I spent six hours a day on that. So what? What else am I doing? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a responsible start... citizen. Yeah. I said I was going to start on my Friday the 13th idea that I've had brewing for a while now. And I sat down one day and spent about a good hour outlining certain things. I haven't gone back to it once because there's comics to read uh, and, and other stuff to watch. And I feel guilty every time I do it. But I'm like, 
there's a saying that's going around right now that if you're having fun wasting time, then you're not actually wasting time. You know, so yeah, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, the I wanted a new you know big game to jump into, and I was, I not really nothing was you know like jumping out at me. So I thought I'll see what's on Game Pass, and Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of the first one, just got added. And I thought, huh, I wonder. And and I had a quick Google, and and people were suggesting maybe just start with zero, because uh, even though it's a prequel that came out after five. Um, it's a really natural starting place for, for beginners at this point. Yeah, also, because I think it came out before Kiwami did, so even though technically it it's a prequel, Kiwami, which is a remake of the first one, kind of incorporates what Zero added to the backstory or something like that. So Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so I thought, screw it, I'll start, because you know, I checked on Game Pass and Zero was already there. I believe they're adding t- uh, Kiwami 2 later in the year. Um, so I thought, all right, fine, I'll do Yakuza Zero, why not? Um, I, I, I kind of love it. Uh, I didn't expect to. Um, it's it's all over the place in its tone in a way that sh- in a way that shouldn't work, but it just does. It's like I say, it's unashamedly Japanese to like the the highest degree. The f- you, you're a, you're a you know you're a yakuza member. The first thing you do in the game is beat up some thugs. The second thing you do is do a karaoke mini game. Like <laughs> that's that's how the game starts. Of course. And I'm like, okay, I'm into this. Um, there is a. 17-ish minute cutscene at the start of chapter three because it's it's actually there's two characters that you play as and so it's like and you play two chapters at a time of each character and then it you know it swaps over to the other one so chapter three is the first introduction of the of your second main character and i was probably about i don't know six hours into the game maybe at this point and then i get slapped with a 17 minute cutscene and i just was like okay i love this game like by the end of this cutscene, like this 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 character, I'm like, okay, I'm all in. Uh, there is just so much to do because it's like the, the main story is this very hard boiled crime mafia story of like you know, full of twists and turns, and you know it's takes itself quite seriously in that angle, mm-hmm. and then everything else you do is insane. Like at one point i had to just go from you know place a to b as part of the main quest like just hey you know i i did i, I had a drink at a bar with some guy can you go beat up some fella for me he's on the other side of town sure right i'll go on my way to run, run there on my way i got stopped in like four random fights just attack me on the street okay i'll <laughs> take them out they'll give me money cool um i got pulled into multiple side quests because you'll just be walking and you'll see Sometimes they'll have like a like an icon above their head to tell you you can talk to them to start. Other times mm-hmm. it will just give you a short scene and then be like, "Do you want to do the side quest now or not?" Um, so I always just say, "Sure, yeah. why not?" But yeah, like, of course. To give you an idea of some of the side quests I've done, I have taught a, taught a wannabe punk band how to be punk because this is set in the late eighties. <laughs> this game, this is a band where they they like the they like the idea of punk music. They're not punk at all, but they just played right. at a gig one night and accidentally kind of got a following for it and they got in a bit too deep with their with the their fans and they got like had to keep up the image and their their label was like no you've got to keep the image going and the, the way they were getting around it was just never doing any interviews or anything they mm-hmm. would just let the music speak for itself but the label have now insisted they have to do an interview like it's 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 gone on too long they have to do it and these guys are like the nicest guys ever they like volunteer to go and help the elderly on their, their spare time and stuff like that <laughs> and they're like we just don't know what we're doing you, you've got to help but you seem like a tough dude can you help us out um so then you have to coach them through responses of like what what should you say like when, when for these things and like that's one of the side quests one of them was uh teaching a dominatrix how to be a dominant i want to be dominatrix how to be a dominatrix 
Like you just stumble into these things. Uh... And I'm like, this is bizarre. I love it. And like, you know, there's all sorts of side mini games you can waste your time on. Uh, you can you can sing karaoke. You can dance in the disco club. You can go bowling. You can play darts. You can play pool. Well, you can, oh, like, there's there goes so Connor's time. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah you... they just introduced a uh, a real estate part uh, part of the the game where you you're as part of the plot you you got to get into real estate and it's like okay so you've done the bit for the plot. How many, how many games have you played where <laughs> halfway through the game you get into real estate? <laughs> That's halfway through the yeah. game. Yeah, it's just like, do you, do you want to do some real estate? Let's uh, let's do some real estate. Here's a real estate management sim that you can do now and sink your time into it. Well, and it's here's the good so news. Much. Here's the good news is that there's six more bloody things of these, right? You get six of them more after yeah. this zero game to play. And I think they've, they're working on three and four being ported, or they have done already. Uh, they're already uh, they're, everything's on PS4. There's a uh, like a remastered set of three, four, and five. Uh, oh, there you uh, go. And I uh, collection and i assume they're all coming to pc at some point uh i assume so but um everything is available on ps4 i think half of them are on the xbox give or take um but i'll, I'll play zero and kiwami one for sure on game pass because they're there um kiwami two if it gets there in time if not i'll get on ps4 okay. but uh it's honestly the, the games are delightful like the tone i say the, these things should not mesh with this hard-boiled detective crime like mafia story what? Joe's so funny is that because like one and two were remade, but then three, four, and five are just remastered. When you get a three, the the, the graphic quality is going to like sort of jump back. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to jump back to uh, like early PS three. They're not like because this game I think was, I think we didn't get it in the, in the West till like 2017, 2018. But I think it actually came out as like a cross gen title in 2015 in Japan. So it's kind of straddling the line already. Uh, the visually it's not top of the pack it's i, like, I actually i actually know something about this uh, yakuza 6 was actually the new engine so zero uh was the previous engine so, so zero yeah. had the same engine as five which was a ps3 game so it's kind of as it kind of like an over sort of in, so in the Kiwami, middle i assume is on the new engine i, I think kiwami's on the six engine yeah uh yeah. so and i assume kiwami 2 is as well I would have thought so, but I mean, like, it's not bad. The, the faces for regular main characters actually look really good, and that's really important given that a lot of it is there's a lot of talking in the story, right? And uh, a lot of cutscenes. The the acting's really good. Like, uh, so th this is actually you know really important for the faces. Uh, a lot of side characters don't look great, um, and there's a lot of stiff animation going on in general. That sounds a lot like Fail Fantasy Seven, funnily enough. <laughs> it, it does, doesn't it? Um, yeah, uh, but it's it's really forgivable stuff in, in that sense. Like I don't, I don't mind it. it. It looks good enough. I will, yeah, you know, but... I, I will say, this is how much I'm enjoying Fallout 7 so far. Maybe Chapter 9, as Connor keeps telling me, is going to ruin it for me. But uh, to the point where I'm like, you know, this might look really good in PC in a year when it comes out. <laughs> I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. It's going to look great. So I just pulled up Yakuza 0, uh -huh. and there's, there's a... <laughs> says you can complete certain objectives, such as eating every dish at a restaurant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. listen, so, I don't wait. need the shade from you, Japan. If that's how I choose to live my normal life. So, yeah, basically, I'm... if you're low on health, you can drink a health drink that you can you know, buy from the shop and take around with uh -huh. you. Or you can pop into a local restaurant and eat some food. And the, the restaurants are scattered all over. Like, there's, you know, all sorts that are just there. Like, different, like, there's a burger, there's one that's clearly Burger King. Um, there's, like, noodle bars and, you know, all sorts. Just hey, take your pick. What do you want? What's closest to you? Uh, it's wild. 
and I don't know how the like some of the side quests I've done, I don't know how they they fit in a game alongside this really serious mafia story. It shouldn't, but it does it with a smile on its face, and it works, and it's delightful, and I kind of love it for that. Hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, all right. Wrap up with your small bits, so Matt can then talk about Star okay. Wars again. Uh, yeah, much smaller. Um, <laughs> I played uh, the rest of Modern Warfare Two Remaster. I actually started the first couple of missions before Final Fantasy arrived, and then finished off like the last two thirds of the game. Uh, game really holds up. Again, uh, I, I talked about the first Modern Warfare Remaster a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, but this uh, second one, I'd forgotten that like Lance Henriksen and Keith David voiced two of the main characters. Yeah. Uh, so some good quality acting in there like for sure uh and i really love the story you know you've got soap who's the character you played as in the first one um well one of the characters you played as in in the first one because obviously you're jumping around like an sas group uh you know uh, some sort of u.s military group you know you're kind of jumping around divisions depending on which area of the story you're in um but if you're in the the british group soap was who you played as in the last one and then in this one, he's actually you know your captain now, and uh, I'd forgotten how thick Scottish they made soap as well. They gave him like a, a thick Scottish actor, because um, I much like I, they did with. So in in the in the last one, you played as soap, and your captain was Price, but there was that flashback mission with his Scottish captain. Um, so obviously they just went screw it, we'll make the, the captain Scottish again, even though you played as him for a while. Um, but obviously he was mute when you were playing as him, uh, and you play as a guy called Roach in this one. Um, but the story's great. Uh, the Gulag mission in particular uh, is fantastic. Great, great moment at the end of that mission, which I always love. Uh, that I kind of re- I'd forgotten. Like a lot of the beats were hazy on the story because it'd been you know close to decades since I played it. And then I got to about a third through that mission when oh oh I remember where this mission goes, and uh, I got really excited. It was a great mission. And then the ending of that game is just fantastic. Uh, I will say I played it on veteran difficulty, which is the hardest, which is what I did on Modern Warfare Remastered as well, and I found this significantly easier than than the one before it. Um, like no, wrong, there were still some bits that were challenging, and I had to you know replay a few times, but there were points on the first one where it felt impossible to the point where I borderline almost turned the difficulty down. Uh, I never had that feeling on this one, um, which is good, and then. So that's that. And then the only other game I'll talk about is really quickly, because I've only put a couple hours into it so far, is uh, Paige forced me to have Animal Crossing, because she wanted mm-hmm. an island to visit. So I started playing Animal Crossing. Forced uh, you. She she literally like downloaded it onto my Switch while I was asleep. Uh, you don't <laughs> have to play it, though. I have to, I have to play it a bit now, because otherwise yes. I was just going to sit there. Um, and it's fine. I mean, I'll probably play it for a few days. Whether or not I'm still playing it in a week is a different question. <laughs> you know, um, got, got my island up and running, kind of, just on the very basics. Um, mechanically, it's pretty solid. Uh, I'll update with that in a week if I'm still playing it. But I'll let Matt talk about another great game now. No. Yeah, just... Uh, so, yeah, so, so I don't play video games that often, but uh, I after... All my Star Wars friends were talking about how great Fallen Order was. I, I cracked around Christmas. And then I played it and then put it down around January just because I got to Dathomir and it upset me because uh, I, I had to turn the difficulty down because this game taught me I'm not actually good at video games. And who, who would have thought after... Uh, 
No, this this Either game way. is frustratingly difficult um, in that yeah. you feel like you're doing all right for a while, mm-hmm. and then the difficulty will spike for no reason and nowhere, yeah. and you'll yeah, so turn it down. I, I got to the second temple playing on regular, you know, whatever medium is, yeah. and, I, and I kept, as I was trying to leave the temple, I kept getting killed in the same spot. And I just had enough, and I turned down the difficulty level. I don't know, that was more my wife yelling at me, why are you getting so mad at a video game? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do it so, with games. It's just about the enjoyment of it, right? Like yeah. the, the only reason I was playing those Call of Duty's on, on the hardest mm-hmm. difficulty is I wanted the trophies. Um, right. If games don't give me trophies for playing the hardest difficulty, it's very yep. rare I will bother. Yeah, and so like I talked earlier, how I, I enjoy Spider-Man because it balances that kind of stuff. Because I do just like, so... It, it, the story of those that don't know, it's a, it picks up after Order 66, and you're playing as this Padawan who's kind of forgotten his his past life, in that through the Empire showing up in his little section of life, he starts to you know get involved in this very Star Wars-esque quest. Yeah, to, so a bit of a, a ragtag band of, uh, of a crew kind of have to go on a little bit of a mission. Right. And so, and as, as each... As the story progresses, you learn each, you know, a little bit more um, Jedi skills. You know, you learn force pull, force push, slow, and double so, jump later. I think. Yeah, and and so you get to a lot of fun stuff, and you get to go to familiar places and new places. So like Kashyyyk was a real fun level, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not looking forward to going back to now because all those damn bugs that are there. Um, but yeah, so I got frustrated at a certain point. And I put it down, and then with everything going on, I have nothing else to do. And my wife's like, hey, you bought all those games, you know, two Christmases ago. They're just sitting there. Why don't you start playing some of them? Uh, so I was like, well, i got to finish Fallen Order. So I did. I love the story. It was just, again, the game system. That last, and like, 20 minutes. It went. So I started playing again two days ago, and I thought I was about done. Uh, turns out I wasn't that close to being done. Uh, the stuff on Dathomir. Um, although once you when, when you play at an easier level, that stuff goes away really quick. Um, so like there, there's a, a character that shows up that's a really fun version. Uh, you know, Terran Malikos. What happens with him is stuff that I love to see in Star Wars. Um, you get the Night Sisters in there, and just the story goes to some real fun places. Like Andre said, the last 20 minutes or so. Um, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but a character shows up, and it essentially became a Friday the Thirteenth movie with them playing. You, you the... just have to run. Yeah, I don't know this because again, I like to try to hack at things, and I got killed no less than four or five times trying yeah. to fight. It's, yeah, it's unwinnable. Can't. It's like no, 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 you just yeah. have to get out of there. Exactly, um, which makes sense. Which made me realize, and there might be this game. I'm so out of games. I don't know. There should be a Friday the Thirteenth style game where that's that's the mechanic. Is you can't beat Jason or a character like Jason. You have to run from them. Um, uh, there's a lot of kind of game. Any, anything yeah. that's like Outlast and anything of that inspired. That's that was a trend of yeah. horror games for about four or five was years. Okay. Uh, yeah, where it was it was unwinnable. You just had to hide and run. Um, I think yeah. the, the the example that a lot of people really like is uh, Alien Isolation. For about okay. half of that game, that was kind of that mechanic. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense with that. But yeah, so I, I got through Ilum, and you get to get your own. Now, here's the thing: when I stopped playing, I didn't have. I and I came back. I had a lot more options that I don't know if the update just gave you 
the exclusive. Okay. The, uh, there was a bunch of pre-order bonuses, like the orange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff that originally were pre-order exclusives only. After mm-hmm. a while, they just went, Astro, everyone can just have them. Gotcha. And I was like, so I get to the point where you, you, your saber gets destroyed, um, and so you have to go to Ilum and find your crystal, which is real cool as a, as a nerd for the Jedi kind of stuff. Yeah, and it was sabers. straight out of like the, the Clone Wars depiction of yeah. Ilum. Right, and so you, you find it, and then you get a choice between the crystal you get. So that was really fun, but I'm like, I couldn't remember Connor saying that the light blue one was a pre-order. I think the cyan color. And I was like, why do I, I? Yeah, or the orange. I can't remember one of them was a pre-order, and it's there. Um, and yeah, there would also, in parentheses, it would say premium content. And I was like, I didn't buy any of these. Yeah, so I don't know where this came they just, from. They gave them to free. They decided uh, it. Gotcha. About a month ago, maybe. Maybe longer. Okay. That makes sense. But, yeah, so yesterday I sat down and I finished the last section of it and just the way that it unfolds, the story is just there. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good star Wars story. And, and then the, the final, like it's almost the pilot to, I, I would want either a show, an animated show or a comic it's, because the way that this ends, it's so the way that the main character yeah. is like, you know, I, I was really into the whole game. It's like, Oh no, this is a great yeah. little journey. And in that last 20 minutes is like, God damn it. I need a sequel. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, right now. Uh, and just, yeah, it's, it's that ragtag group. It's kind of Star Wars in a nutshell. When I think about every, every version of Star Wars I like has this, which is down to the blueprints of, of the original movie. You know, this, this group of misfits thrown together and forced to have to, you know, not deal with one another, but rely on each other. And, yeah. uh, cause I kept, you know, Rob and Alden both kept telling me how great Marin is. And I hadn't got to the point where she was great, and I still don't think she's that great. Like, there's other characters. I, I, think I, I like Marin a lot. She has a lot of potential, yeah. but she joins the game quite late on. Like, and yeah, uh, I don't think she has she, enough time to shine. She does some cool stuff, but to enter my, like, top, like, side character, kind of, like, like, and then when you talk about Cal's uh, mentor, Gerald Topple, now that that's a cool, that's a cool dude. Uh, yes, it took me until... That, um, what's his name, Species? Zebs. Yeah, it took me, like, I, because you don't get much one-on-one time with him. I'm like, he looks familiar. I don't know why he looks familiar. And then I, once you get up and you do that, you have to do, like, a, a part of the game where you interact with a memory of him. And I was like, oh, that's, he's, he's a Zeb. Uh, I can't yeah. remember what that species is called, but yeah. Uh, but he was pretty cool. Uh, you see Order 66 as it happens with him. And you're just like, oh, this is why the Jedi are a legend. Like, you see some of the stuff that he does, because... Order 66 kind of gets short shifted in the movies. So if there's people... Yeah, where you, that you just kind of see them take out a few in the back, whereas this is like, yeah. no, no, it wasn't as easy as it looked. No, it was a struggle. And you go from them high-fiving Cal as he's a kid, as a Padawan, uh, to trying to kill him in, within the stand of five minutes. Yeah. So it really adds to level. But no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, especially if you're a Star Wars person. Like That said, I hate Dathomir and I got lost through there so just by accident it's about 90 percent finished just because <laughs> i got stuck down in the lowest level and couldn't get out um and yeah you had to fight that big bat creature which i was a surprise yeah. i didn't like that i mean even on easy it was still kind of difficult um but yeah so that, that's my video game minute from up, up until i decided to play some more but yeah, i have to go through and and I, I got to find the rest of the lightsaber pieces 
so I can try to build the one that I made in Disneyland. Because um, I'm almost there. I'm just Have they got all the things that you need in the game? Basically, except for the... Because by this point, you have a double-sided lightsaber. Sure. You can't put the Rancor Tooth. I don't know if even that's a piece oh, that you can hill. find. Yeah, no, it's Yeah. Not. So, but the emitter, I know I think my the emitter that I have is there. But they're under different names. So, like, mine, uh, when I built it, was Elemental Nature. Um, which gives it the more natural look. The ones here, they're the duty and resolve. So I need to find, there's another duty and resolve piece that I need to go and back and find. I don't know where it's at, but I'm sure I'll find it. Uh, but I just went back to finish Ilum because I'm 92% through with yeah, that. I, I never 100%ed it. I just, because uh, yeah. I, I finished that and then moved straight on to whatever. I think I played Plague Tale next because it was on EA Access. Yeah, yeah but again, if once I get that piece and I can make my lightsaber in the game, then then I'll be good. Um, but until then, you know. Uh, what, what, real quick though, what would you go with your look for your lightsaber? I just, uh, oh, I, I can't remember the names it, of them. It was um, yeah. like a, a three pronged emitter. Okay, gotcha. Uh, kind of spiky. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Kind of fit that designer. Which uh, which color did you end up going with? The... I went with cyan. I really like the light blue. Okay. Gotcha, cool. I ended up going with yellow, which I know with 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 Ray and whatnot, um, that's become like the new cool color. But when when you look into the lore of Star Wars, it's a color that even though I, it is the color fear in Green Lantern, right? And it's a color that I hate for the most part, but it's such a cool for what it represents. Mm. And yeah, just the the Jedi Sentinel and what that means. And what they did with so, the uh, the temple guards with it and rebels. Yeah, yep, yep. Love that. Stuff. And and what that means with Ray going forward. You know, with how she's kind of guarding, you know, the yeah. the order as it were. It just it all fits in. So. It does, yeah. It it, yeah. it works. Again, Filoni and and Soul and and those names, I will trust. Abrams, not so much. Like he can. Right I, I love you. I love you, dude. But just maybe it's not. uh it's why I'm all in on the uh, the High Republic stuff that's coming up. Yeah. Because it's, it's Soul. All, all the names in that, I'm on board. Well, there's the and space barbarians, space Vikings, space Come Vikings. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there, and and of course a Jedi, uh, a a, a Wookiee Jedi, which I'm always down for. What more do you want? Yeah. So, cool. All right. Okay. Good. We're done. We're done. We're done. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Right, just the uh, Patreon books now. Yeah, right. I'm blasting through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Five, four, three. All right, well, we just have Patreon books to do. Technically, we do have a wrestling section, although it's going to be very quick because uh, I have not watched Dynamite yet, so I, I have... Oh, dang you, man. I know. It's, uh, it's decent. The the two main matches, I won't spoil anything, are fairly decent. Um, and some of the character stuff that they're, they're just nailing through these vignettes, like, I just, I can't get enough of it. So, uh, yeah, Kenny Omega has a great match against some... You know, I don't want to call him a jobber, but some uh, local guy that they brought in, and he makes Kenny made him look like a absolute star, better than he has any right to be. And so slowly, I'm starting to understand why Kenny Omega was the biggest wrestler in Japan for a minute. Like I thought it was all hype. Mm. It's not. He, he's. It's not like he's sharing the ring with another great. Like him versus Okada, of course, it's going to be great, right? Because they're both really great. But when he can show up with this guy that's basically a local dude from wherever they're filming. Whether it's Georgia or Jacksonville, I'm not quite sure. Um, Unclear. And he's having a great match. Yeah, they're having a great match. It, it's hard to 
Um, but just know that, that Darby Allen keeps giving you reasons to love him. Um, that dude does not stop. Like we were, I was talking in uh, the, about uh, Superman and that boxing issue where I have to stop because if I don't, they're going to keep going. That is Darby Allen in a nutshell. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. So nah. that, that, I I it's, it's, the, it's the first time I've not caught it because uh, I'd watched either all of them live or later the same mm-hmm. night, depending if yeah. I was able to watch them live or not. Uh, and it's only just these last few weeks with these arena empty arena shows that I felt a bit less excited. Just kind of I'll get to it when yeah, it's convenient. Just, just know Matt Hardy has a great appearance on the show, and he, he talks to Jericho. And I and I say that Matt Hardy, not Damascus. Uh, we we see him shift. Uh, so he can talk about his friend Chris Jericho, uh, which was fun. Um, and Jericho keeps bringing up why they have barriers in an empty arena, almost as if he took umbrage with JR saying that, because he brings it up every chance he can get. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was another, uh, he kept calling Kenny Omega a pumpkin head. And I don't know why that particular insult kept killing me, or it's just the fact that he, Jericho bought in 100%. And he kept putting uh, Omega over as a great wrestler. He's like, but don't forget, I beat him in Japan. You know, he, he's he's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world that I also beat. And it's yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, just yeah, I'm curious to what you think about the the seedings because again, I'm not trying to spoil anything um, of of this bracket. Uh, I, I feel very like, interesting to say the least. I feel like I could predict the winners just based on the the stories that they're probably going to tell yeah. through the rest of the tournament, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so Patreon books. Uh, so well, one of the main is technically not a Patreon book, but for this better, more or less is for lack of a better term, uh, because you can essentially buy uh, a book like a Patreon book uh, on one of my streams with a certain tip amount, which is what David's done to me. He's actually done it a few times recently, so I've got a list of books to get through. So I'm doing one this week. I'll leave that for last. Car's got one this week. Uh, Car did have a second one to do. Uh, but the book that was picked for him uh, isn't actually available in Comixology, so uh, he'll have to wait and hear back from uh, Tyler what he wants him to do about that. Uh, well, not Tyler wants to like find him a physical copy and you know <laughs> send it by joint. pigeon. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, my my first one here uh, is my regular Patreon book from Tyler as well. Actually, this is uh, American Vampire issue six. Uh, obviously, Snyder and Albuquerque. Uh, interesting stuff. Obviously, American Vampire has a very sort of anthology-style structure where each arc kind of leaps forward into a new time period. It focuses on different characters, but there's obviously connections to the previous stories. And this one, I, I, you know, I'd read all of this stuff before, but you know, it'd been long enough that I, you know, I like I always remembered it starting with Pearl and the you know the, the old Hollywood of the twenties. But I, 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 if you'd asked me, okay, what's arc number two like beforehand, I'd be like, I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, it's in the 30s in Las Vegas, and we have a cop uh, who's named Cash. Uh, there's a little Cash McCoogan. Yeah, there's a little preview at the start of like sort of later on, uh, you know, set before, you know, after the story, where someone's got like a baby in a bag, and when the waitress who kind of just wants to see the baby looks into it, that uh, freaks out by what she sees. So it's a kind of a tease for some monstrous child. Uh, but we cut to uh, a hotel, and this big businessman's with a prostitute. Uh, and then later that night, some big bat vampire creature comes in and seemingly kills him. 
And where's just a cash uh, who's got a pregnant wife? Uh, my, my only problem, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit here, but I will say if I have any problems with the art, is that later on Cash calls his wife on the phone and I actually thought it was the prostitute at first because her haircut was the exact same. And I was like, why, why, have, why have you given them the same hair? I mean, it became clear after a minute cause it, it, because she's got a pregnant bump and so on that it's not the same person, mm-hmm. but it just it felt like a weird choice to give them the exact same hair. Uh, but, uh, so he's, he's, Cash is supposed to have a night off. Uh, we learn that he's a cop. Uh, he breaks up this... Uh, these two drunks who end up trying to rob this, this store that he's in and reveals that he's got a badge. So we get a sense of who he is. We find out that his dad was killed recently on the job. He was also a cop. And uh, the big reveal at the end of the issue is that it's because, you know, throughout we get the, the murder scene uh, at this hotel. He comes by with the two feds that he meets. One of whom is very important. I'll, I'll mention who that is in a minute. But... Uh, they go and it's like, okay, so he was with a, a woman, where was she from? And when they mention the place the woman was from, like the, the, the mood kind of changes and it's like, oh shit. And that's when he calls his wife and she's like, maybe you shouldn't go there. You've already questioned him about your dad's murder. Like this, this shouldn't work. And the big reveal is that the guy who runs this, this brothel or whatever it is exactly, uh, who's going by a different name is actually Skinner Sweet. But well, this is kind of the big reveal at the end of the issue. So it's kind of like a, oh, hello. Okay, Skinner's really changed up his uh, tactics. Uh, there's a lot of world building in this though that I really like is that the the city's expanding very quickly because they're building the dam nearby and it's brought a lot of workers and because of that they're all spending lots of money in the city and the police force is struggling because they've not expanded even though the, the population's like doubled tripled whatever and they're really struggling so that's why he's been wanting feds and these two feds show up um so one dude uh uh, who's told, called Jack Straw, and then of course the other one, the younger woman, is Felicia Book, who of course connects to the backstory uh, arc and the first, uh, you know, uh, trade or arc or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, her being the daughter of of, of Book and the backstory. So uh, really cool to get that. We get that she can take care of herself. Uh, everyone kind of assumes she's not really useful at first. Uh, not her partner so much, but uh, you know, cash and so on. And it's, it's later she, you know, beats the shit of one of the, the guards who won't let them into the, the club uh, that we kind of see that, that she, so she can take care of herself uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, so, no, I, I mean, obviously the art's still great. Uh, I think it does a good job of building up a real tone for this. You know, the, the first arc very quickly set up that, okay, we're in the, this gl- the glitz and glamour of Hollywood and these young women try to make it in the, the business and getting jobs as extras, as backing dancers, whatever. Uh, I think this arc does a similar equal great job of like setting up the mood, the expanding city, the dawn of Vegas. In fact, one of the plot points that uh, uh, Cash brings up is that him and his wife are kind of annoyed and are being kept up at night because the hotel across from where they live just put on put in uh, at the time a relatively new thing which was a neon sign and they've got mm-hmm. this big glowing neon sign in their bedroom window uh, which of course you think of Vegas now all you think about is yeah. neon signs it's so so Snyder gets a lot kind of right but it's it's pop history so like of course he didn't do full like he's not writing a, a book report on the history of Vegas yeah it's just it's not so, a history comic yeah <laughs> You know, but there there is a city called Boulder City that sprang up because of it was a town site for people that were building the dam, you know. And for the longest time, because of the reputation of gambling halls, there was no gambling in that city whatsoever. It was banned. So they would have to come into the city, which it's, you know, you're looking back at the 30s. It's a very long drive through the desert 
take it to where, where the ship is uh, or downtown. Uh, but no, I, I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Um, and, I think because yeah. at first all you have connection wise, all in the fact that the, 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 the big bat is connected to vampires, mm-hmm. you have, you know, Felicia book. And then it's mm-hmm. just at the very end, it gives you the big hook, the big connection to the previous story. Uh, but I, I kind of like, cause it, because we're not focused on the exact same characters for the most part, it, it makes the world feel bigger. And I know we come back to Pearl eventually. Like, I know, I know that she's not gone for good. And uh, But I, I, what I like about this is, is it is almost kind of like Resident Evil in a way that Resident Evil 2 had different main characters. And then 3 brought back the original, one of the original characters. And then Code Veronica mixed one of the characters from 2 with one of the characters from 1. And then 4 brought back Leon from 2. Like... It kind of did this thing where it made the world feel bigger just by introducing other characters uh, set in the same story and uh, set in the same universe. So, uh, in a weird way, this kind of storytelling is kind of a shared universe before shared universes were really a big thing. Uh, just, but that's how they just build their own story within their one title. Uh, and yeah, so I really like that stuff. Uh, obviously, that's really good. Uh, Skinner Sweets in this really silly, over the top white suit uh, at the end. He's got a hat on. He's, you yeah. know. But it's obvious. Yeah. It's obviously him. The art's very good at really making all that stuff distinct. My, my, literally, my only complaint in the art is that why does Cash's wife look so much like the prostitute from the start? Because it just was confusing for a second. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, uh, really good uh, piece of world building. Uh, so that's American Vampire issue six. Connor has Red Hood Outlaw. Oh, I'll give that. I'll give that a solid eight point five for the record. Uh, Connor has Red Hood Outlaw number forty three. Yeah, Lobdell uh, writing and uh, Christopher Williams on the art. Uh, which I'll get out of the way first. The art's a bit rough. Um, one of the few things this series has typically had going for it is, is high quality art. And I, I think even you guys, if just at a glance, would agree that it's had some good artists on the book as a rule. Sure, yeah. There was a lot of Dexter yeah. Saw you back in the. Elidish, yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there was. Um, pretty much every other arc for a while was Dexter Soy. Um, and uh, Pete Woods recently, si- since the titling of, of uh, Outlaw, I'd say he's been the, mm-hmm. the principalized, uh, which again looks pretty good. So can't complain on that department, which is why this sticks out a bit more. A lot of just like really smooth, odd looking faces without the, the definition and depth to them, and like just some odd light placement on them to try and give it some depth and like direction but without some of the other features just doesn't doesn't really work um as for the issue itself uh it's kind of all over the place like it has an intro which is uh suzy sue in the uh the iceberg lounge who was one of the big sisters they, they left it in charge of it and it opens with her dead nar- narrating it with like 10 swords sticking out of her going well i was just assassinated but she gets back up death doesn't really do anything for her anymore uh i'm not entirely sure why reasons um but you know she's like oh well dude you know the one of her partners comes in it's like do we need to tell you know jason about this and she's like yeah no, no point he'll know and she's like well we could, we could give him a warning she's like well no they already got whatever they were here for she points at an empty safe and he's like, he'll find out soon enough. It's not like we have his phone number. So, yeah, sure. And then it cuts to a scene that I should enjoy, um, in theory, in, in the action side of it. I think with a better artist, I really would. Um, because it's it's a, it's a James Bond fight on top of a moving train, essentially, with the outlaws fighting these two strongish 
twins, sisters. I, I don't know. They, they, they seem to be handling themselves okay. It's a bit unclear. Um, but, I mean, it's a sequence that is mostly just, hey, here's the team back in action, kind of all together now, because it's been a while. And I think with a, with a good artist, could have been a really fun sequence. As it is, it's just kind of a, a bit bland. It doesn't, it doesn't have any good pacing or charisma to it. And like I said, some of the stuff just looks a bit off. So that kind of ruins that a little bit. Anyway, they're, they're, they're there. Uh, the, the outlaws are there to get into the train to try and figure out what they're here to steal. And there's there's some like artifact. And that's actually tied to the old cast, which are the, if, if you recall, which I'm sure you don't, um, from X amount of issues ago, these were the people who brought Jason back to life now. And he had that magic sword that could fight them. If 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 this is ringing any bells whatsoever, um, I remember someone it, with a big metal jaw. That was the that's like all I remember from those two issues that I read. Uh, it was it was before those issues that you read, Pete. Oh. It was from the arc before that, I think. No, oh, because uh, do you think I recall something from this book that I, when it, one of the issues no, I didn't read just from no, what you I, told us? I, I barely recall it, so I don't blame you. So it's it's fine. Just you know, maybe maybe the listeners remember. Who knows? Uh, I mean, probably might do a better job than me. Um, but anyway, you know, these creatures, they, they've basically, like, possessed um, the like these bodies, and then they start, like, mutating out of it. Um, they kind of look like a cross between Parasite and Doomed, is kind of how I would describe the look of them. Um, they're a fine design. You know, we have a bit, a bit of a tussle with them, trying to see, you know, what's going on, some jokes. You know, one of them explodes, and I'll like, oh, buy the seven beards, and Zara's like, eh, just mine, but still. This is gross. Uh, but yeah, the, the Untitled, that's what they're actually called. They, you know, they incubate in the human bodies. And uh, and I was just like, shouldn't you kind of like recognize them immediately? You know, you, you're, you, you did a lot of stuff with the, the old cast, and you, you're, the, you're the only living person who can re- wield the old blades, if you recall that. Why, why didn't you recognize them immediately? He's like, I don't know. And does this big dramatic close-up on his eyes. And again, I wish the art was better because the, the panel in theory is is a solid uh, in terms of the pacing of, of that moment should work. Um, but yeah, it, it's just not really great. Um, but anyway, they meet there. They've got an anonymous source in there and it's uh, General Glory, who's representing the US government there because they're in like Germany on this train. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in charge from this point on. And Jason's like, oh, well, like hell you are. And Bizarro's immediately like, roger that. I was like, well, what, what's going on? He's like, well, he said he's in charge. It's like, so? But yeah, no, this guy, he's, he's, he's an old guy. He's He's been, like, doing it for, like, 75 years, but he has got powers, so he's still going. Uh, but yeah, they're talking about this, they're, you know, they, they were trying to steal this this obelisk and bring it to Karak, and, you know, do all the stuff that they were doing. And that's basically the end of the issue for their plot. And then we have two actual outro scenes, like tags at the end, which is weird, because they couldn't just end it with one. Uh, the first one is uh, at Margun's home because she's kind of villainous now, and she's with what seems to be like a, a talon, like a court of owls mask, from what I remember. Like one of the not not the talon actually, maybe it's one of the the actual owls kind of who sit around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's she's there, and there's a knock on the door. She, you know, she's uh, she's getting. Um, I think she's taking applications for uh, for a teacher uh, her thing, but with like ex villains and stuff. Um, there's another, you know, who is uh, one last applicant, and it's uh, it's Maller and the Brain. 
So I like those. You know, I haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. I remember them showing up on a cover and then having to temp- temper my excitement because it's still Flubdell yeah. writing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're on this cover. Um, unless, I'll have to double check. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I like them showing up in general. So sure, I'll, I'll give it points to that. And then there's another outro, which is uh, Jason's kind of girlfriend that he was with before, who I think he left the sword with her. She's just in her apartment. And the dogs go wild at the door. She goes there. And there's nothing there except the sword. Um, I'm assuming this is the one of the old blades or something. But then, you know, there's this final page of some woman, mysterious woman, who's holding the sword. Like, it, like, materializes in her hand, like, this light. She's like, oh, you know, you know, oh, you know, this body ought to work out fine wherever the hell you are, Jason. And I'm like, oh, fine, whatever. Um yeah, uh, that all cast stuff was some of the worst stuff that the book did in recent memory. So revisiting that doesn't give me much hope for going forward. So that's uh, not going to be fun. I'm really frustrated with the pacing of this uh, Iceberg Lounge stuff that's been... I think this is two or three issues now that this has teased this stuff with literally like a page or two pages at the start or the end of the issue. And it's just feeling like it's just stagnating. And then here, having two separate outro teases, pick one. Just pick one. You, you can't have two at the end. You can't finish your main story and then have two different two or three page sequences teasing the next issue. That's, that's, that's just bad storytelling. I'm sorry. Uh, so for that reason, I'm giving it a three. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll turn on to my second of the week. Um, I did two this week because I, I, I didn't have time last week, so... Uh, I'm making up for it. Uh, so, brace yourselves, buckle in, because I'm about to talk about Lobo issue one by Cullen Bunn from 2014. This is New 52. If it makes you feel any better, I definitely read this at the time. I gave it a try. I don't remember it, but I definitely tried it. You tried it. This is emo. This is emo Lobo. This is emo Lobo, and the opening few pages yeah. of this book are him killing actual Lobo, who in the continuity of this book, or at least he thinks at the start, I mean, I don't know if it was changed later or how it was retconned, but uh, young, sexy, emo Lobo, CW Lobo, we'll call him, uh, he's got actual Lobo's head and accuses him of stealing his name and that he's the real Lobo from Sazdir. I remember this. Yeah. So right away, if you're a fan of Lobo, right... That pisses you off. And I'm not really, right? I, I, I don't really give no. that much of a shit about Lobo. But if I was a fan of Lobo, the opening, like, three or four pages of this book would... Th- this would be, like, the Halloween remake from Rob Zombie. Yep. This would this would be, you know, s- you know, parts of Batman v Superman. This would be those things that really yeah. shit on the thing I like. <laughs> the, the part of that, though, like, if it was the Halloween, it'd be like, oh, no, Jason... Or Jason. Michael Myers was, was swapped at birth. And this is actually the real evil baby... This is why Michael was. It was like, no, this is Lobo. You you gave us. Fake oh, yeah, I'm not saying the plot beat matches the. I'm, no. just, I'm, I'm saying no, the way it insults like, the memory of the thing. Yeah, like. Uh, and, and that's what's quite frustrating about a lot of things in the new Fifty Two. Is is there's a way to do this without feeling like you're insulting them? Oh yeah. Like, that, uh, it's fine that you know you want to try a different sort of Lobo. Fine, why that, not? That's the thing. That this entire issue feels. 
Like if I, I might hand this to someone I've said, what's wrong with the new 52? I might hand them this issue and say, hey, read that. that that's what's wrong with the new 52. Yeah. Everything you feel when reading this, uh, everything about it, they're pushing... I, I mean, I don't even want a Lobo book in general. I, I'm fine with them showing up and things, right? Uh, no problem with that, but uh, they're pushing not only a Lobo book, but they're pushing... Oh, no, here's the new, young, sexy, uh, you know... Lobo for a start, right? They've taken Lobo and turned into a hot character. Like Lobo's not meant to be a hot character. He's, he's no, kind of disgusting. He's, he's kind of his thing. Yeah, that's the point of him. Yeah, um, but it's trying to be edgy. It's trying to be hip and cool. And if I was to sum up the new Fifty Two and why it doesn't work is because that's how I would describe it. It's trying to be hip and cool and mold everything to feel kind of closer to that. Honestly, the biggest problem as well is it, is it was trying to be those things without understanding how. Yeah, so he, he kills Lobo. He explains that his gun is suitable for doing so. <laughs> just just Which, a light of exposition. As far as I know, the Zarnian, you can't kill them because they can regenerate from a drop of blood. So, um, yes. Yeah, don't, well, don't it, think about it too much, Matt. Yes. Uh, yeah, but I did. F- fried with enough weaponized Giga Kelvins. Giga, is that a real thing? Giga, that sounds made up to me. Kelvin is a measure of temperature, right? Yeah. yeah, so... So, I so mean, maybe it's, it's really thing. hot? Gigakelvins uh, would be extremely uh, hot, I assume. But that's just all he says, and you know, enough that even a Sarnian can't even get back from it. But anyway, we get a flashback, kind of slash nightmare, where the art changes, and it's him on, uh, you know, Sarsnia, uh, like, painting the, the princess, and he's the, the bodyguard of the emperor, and they're having an affair. Uh, oh, God, why is this all coming back to me? And Stop. It, and, and, and like they'll be in trouble if anyone finds out but it's actually a nightmare because it turns it like all horrific and she becomes she becomes like evil and like he wakes up um although before that they are like it was really going for this kind of romantic like almost like i can, for some reason i can almost like see the, the way he's dressed the way she's dressed it feels like they're in mexico or something like that kind of having a romantic dance like on the beach or something like that that but uh she turns all demonic uh he wakes up from his nightmare he, he says that every month he actually gets a part of his brain burned off because it stops him from dreaming it grows back uh every time but for a little while he gets to sleep without dreaming uh so but the actual plot of the book is that this uh person shows up to get him out of the jail that he's currently in and offers him a job as a hitman to kill these eight other hitmen who have been hired to, to kill someone who we find out in a page or two is on earth and he's been hired to kill all the hitmen so that this person, who doesn't even know they've been targeted, will survive. Uh, I'll tell you right now, this issue does not reveal who the target is, because he asked who the target is, and I assumed the reveal at the end of the issue was going to be, oh, this is who it is on air, someone we know, some big character from DC or whatever. Uh, it, it just, it doesn't actually tell you. It, it, it ends with him like seeing on a tablet that it looks like it's in Florida, whoever the target is, but uh, we don't get to actually find out in this issue. Um, and surprise, surprise, I don't care enough to uh, read issue 2 to find out. But You can Google it. I don't think I care enough to Google it. Matt does. I, I think I, no. I, I'm only mentioning it, I'm only caring enough to mention it because it's frustrating in the, con- in the context of an issue. Like, that it's not, like, it feels like it's teasing, it's setting is, up for this reveal for the end and just, then it doesn't do it. Is, is the ending reveal one of the assassins that he's got to take out instead? No, no, he's already beaten a bunch of them. If anything, he's beaten like at least half of them. 
uh, uh, when he gets to Earth. He, he goes on his like fancy circle bike thing. He, he tracks them down and he just like it's nothing. He, he doesn't even struggle. He just goes in and kills them like they're like they're. It, what's the, red the bike shirts. that he's got in this one? Because it's not like his traditional big, you know, Harley David. No, bike. no, he's got this like it's, sci- it's, it's a science fiction. It's, it's got like a ring that he's riding inside of. Oh, it reminds me, from memory, more like what Orion goes around on. Yeah, wait. Well, not Orion. Orion has the harness, so I, but I know what you're talking about. It's like a new god. Yeah, well, Orion's thing. used to yeah. in the past. I'm sure I've seen Orion on one. But the new god kind of almost scooter-esque thing that they use. Yeah, but they also have a ring around them, like a vertical ring. No, but they stand on a ring, don't they? Because it's, it's like Sometimes. this rings is it's actually the big wheel that it rides on. It's, it's this big that goes over the top of them. Anyway, uh, but he he finds them all sort of hanging out at a place. Uh, he kills a, one of them with these like sickle things on a chain. Uh, I'm sure that's got a name, but I... oh, okay. So um, this is for Matt. Uh, the the bike that he's riding, uh-huh. it's. Uh, it's that thing that, that uh, Grievous rides in. Um, yeah. yeah, that's exactly. what I pictured. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, sharp about goddamn Star Wars. I don't no, care. That's, that's what it is. I'm looking at it right now. It's okay. That. Uh, the only thing we found out about his character, other than that he's super edgy, is that he doesn't kill dogs because these like attack dogs are sent after him, and he, he refuses to kill them. So he just he feeds them the dead body parts of the others that he's already killed. Uh. And then the last one he kills isn't actually traditionally an assassin. He's more of a demolition expert. So that makes him question what's going on here, who they're after. And the book just ends with him riding off because he's looked at a tablet. Uh, it looks like it's pointing towards Florida or somewhere near Florida. And it's just like, yep. You know, uh, it's, it's, the last line of dialogue says, hell, whoever's funding this little killing spree should have hired me. I was almost done the job for free. So he doesn't like whoever it is, but he doesn't actually tell us who it is. Uh, so I I like Cullen Bunn's a really boring writer for me. Like I I don't really like anything I've read from Cullen Bunn. Um, I think you add, if you take Cullen Bunn and you add him with this edgy new take from the New Fifty Two on a character, and you get like such a like I'm going to give it a three out of ten, just like Carded Red Hood. But I I think this is this weird case. If you're taking a writer who's just like a solid five out of ten almost consistently and then but you give him this concept that is inherently just unappealing uh, i think it's unappealing to me just on the principle of what it is i think as to a lobo fan it's like insulting <laughs> yeah yeah oh, man. whoa whoa jeez well, what was the character that i had up there with like deadpool to where there's a certain type of person that gravitates towards them and I and I get it. It's not my kind of character, and I'm someone that loves Guy Gardner. All right, so like I get it. Um, here's here's the thing though. I I don't think this like that this Lobo isn't even trying to appeal to Lobo fans. He feels that, so different. That, that, my point that I was getting to is this was like, well, you know what, everybody, the people that love Lobo, like about Lobo, we're gonna get all rid of that. And we're gonna try to make everybody like Lobo, and I was like, well, no, Lobo works on the fringes. You know, like. Yeah, I remember this going by, and I'm like, yeah, not touching that. I don't care about, you know, I hear, I, with Colin Bunn, I've heard like Six Gun is really enjoyable, um, and some of his other things, like his independent. I mean, let's be so, honest, like a, a solo Lobo series of regular Lobo isn't really yeah. appealing to me, right? Maybe, no. you know, if Tom Taylor's name was on it, sure, maybe. But like. Even then, though, like, 
don't know. But they did poke fun at this. Uh, I was just reading in Rebirth because he actually does show up in Howlin' Pals. Um, <laughs> and he's in one of Brainiac's bottles. And Guy Gardner almost lets him out. I, and Hal goes, no, no, no. That's better to be left on the shelf. I knew it was going to be a young, edgy, emo version of uh, Lobo, yeah. but... I did not expect it to open with literally him killing the real Lobo mm-hmm. and saying, no, that's a pretender. I'm the real one. I'm like, wait, whoa, this is like, this is how you open like, your, like, how about you make people like your new version before you have them like shit all over the old one? Just, just the thought. This is like, yeah. this is like asking people to be pissed off and be antagonistic towards your, 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 your thing, your property, your premise. Uh, so like, I mean, it's not the worst written book of all time. It's just a really unappealing character and a really unappealing attitude. Uh, the art's not particularly good. It's not the worst art of all time either. It's just really house style, kind of generic middle of New 52 fare. Um, so, no. Uh, and David seems to like making me read things from the New 52, so I, I feel like there's more of that coming your way. Look forward to look forward to some other picks. But, uh, what other shit can he scrape from the bottom of the barrel for you? I can tell you that up next is... Where's my list here? Uh, oh, yeah. Telos number one from Convergence. Oh, <laughs> yuck. So. Yeah, that's what I've got to look forward to. I can tell you, I did not read that one. I read Telos in his debut stuff in the, in the, the Green Lantern <clears throat> stuff when that was... That, that was where he started, right, Matt? Uh, Telos was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... In the, it was right after John's run. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I have no idea about Telus at all, so I wonder if this will even I'll be even able to follow it, but we'll see. From from what I remember, he was trapped in the source wall or beyond the source wall, something to do with the source wall. <laughs> Under the source wall, he's on top of the source wall. Oh no, he he was either trapped inside of it or trapped behind the source wall, and he came and and he came through in Greenland. He's trying to make and the uh, inhabitants of beyond the source wall from, pay for I the think source from wall. What I remember. His motivation was in he in his universe. No one. That was a good joke. The, okay. Uh, Whatever. The, uh, the 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 energy that the lanterns use, the various light spectrums, are actually a finite resource, and in his universe they use them up. And he was, he he was basically poison ivy. Uh, essentially, for his universe, and like was like trying to make them stop by any means necessary, using up the, their their resources. That, that was a different. Is that not tell us? No, this is saying that this is a Brainiac that uh, came out of Future's End. And it's based off of... Was that not tell- Telos in that? No, that oh, was... Oh, so don't care. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. You're, that was from Lights Out, or Post Lights Out. Um... Oh. Yeah. Look, this is like present. I just have to read the book, do my time, and and, you know... Read it, talk about it, and it's over, and I can forget it from my brain. No, I gotta know who Connor's talking about because I know. Yeah, I want to know who I'm talking them. about. He was like a new god, but he wasn't. Does, is his design similar or something? Yeah. Is that why I'm thinking of it? Well, I'm loading the Green Lantern reading order because it'll be there. I'm just, and I'm just looking up lights out and figuring it'll tell me his name because you know the name of the story. Uh, well, I think lights out was was before. But it led to that. It's very frustrating because I'm sure that he looks. Similar it was in God, it was in Godhead, is when it when he showed up. Is his name just Godhead? I, I think so. 
That's disappointing. Nope, that's not it. This 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 might have to go till next week because all right, we'll we'll come we'll come back with with answers. Oh, good. Right, we're done. Uh, that <laughs> that's, that's quarantine in the multiverse. Uh, uh, episode four. It turns out of five. This was a five episode mini series. Uh, just like a comic book. You get five episode mini, and then we're back to the main the main story, the main show. You know what I mean? Uh, so that is uh, that is. It. So you can of course let us know what you thought of the books. Uh, why did I say that? We didn't read it. It was, Connor. It was relic. I want autopilot. It is, and it is lights out. Does design wise, is it really similar? Kind of. Can I can I outro the show? Can we just can go I, ahead? I'll throw it. Yeah, I just have to let him know. Uh, okay, so you can like and subscribe. You can let us know what you thought of Earth that we talked about in the the show. Uh, we got one more week of quarantine, then we're back to some books, not a lot. So we'll still have questions and quizzes probably with the books, but uh, uh, the all the off topic stuff will uh, take a back seat because we'll be back to comments from the multiverse. Um, and then, yeah, it's uh, so obviously go to patreon.com slash TV if you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here um, and keep all the content coming, uh, you know, comics from Multiverse, but also previously in the Multiverse, uh, which did skip this week, but we'll be back early next week. So look forward to that. Uh, you can, of course, um, you know, get some bonuses on it. You get all the Multiverse episodes early at the $5 tier uh, by one day. Uh, you get to vote on a, a slot in previously, which will happen more often now that the show is usually so- weekly. So. A vote going on right now? There is, and it's ending at the end of the month, so this goes up, you know, on the Sunday for everyone. Uh, although, patrons get it on the Saturday night, so, I mean, you guys have... Given you the guys who can actually vote, it makes sense that you, you, you have got a little bit of extra time, but you've got until the end of the month to make that vote um, and get your, get your vote in. Uh, so, you can do all that stuff, of course. You can rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and then all that jazz. Uh, it does help us out. It makes more people find us, because uh, they'll promote it a little bit more. They'll have it higher in the rankings, that kind of thing. Uh, same reason why we actually like stuff on YouTube, because it does help YouTube spread things out a little bit. Uh, so, please do. Uh, but that is us. Uh, I will just say, is there anything else to promote that I would like to? You know, it's not you know other stuff. Uh, uh, I don't know. Westworld is nearly done. Me and Carl have been reviewing that. We've got two episodes left. Uh, we finished Better Call Saul season five this week, and so good, Matt. You're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, oh, I will. Season five is I really good. Uh, so there's that, and there's other stuff. The usual stuff going on. Uh, sci-fi podcast, uh, the Atomic Cinema Experiment. We've been having a seventies month, so there's been two episodes a week doing mostly obscure seventies movies. But we've got a couple of biggies to like sort of bookend it. Uh, I'll just say this: you know, the day this goes up also happens to be Alien Day, uh, twenty sixth, twenty sixth of April. So maybe the same day this goes public is the same day that another episode of the Ace will go public. That might be relevant to that date. Just a thought. Uh, I hope you're not doing Prometheus. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Or Covenant. Uh, we already did Prometheus, right? And we did the other Alien movies at some point. So there, there is a review of that if you, and Pete doesn't want to suffer through it again anytime soon, basically. Uh, I mean, it will happen. I mean, the idea is to just do, you know, one per year on Alien Yeah, Day. yeah, that's what I mean. He doesn't <laughs> want to suffer through it anytime soon. Yes. Uh, the exciting part, though, is that Tara's not seen Covenant. So when we get to the end of all this, that's the main event. It's like, hey... Covered it for no. the first time. If I could reach cool. out to her, do the force, I will tell her don't do it. <laughs> no one should have to go through that. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> because you see, Matt, you can nope. blow and I'll do the fingering. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not doing it. 
<laughs> all right that is recorded to the multiverse thank you very much for joining us uh we love you loads uh we'll see you next time uh keep reading comics watching movies playing video games whatever you're doing while you're in quarantine because all of it's valid well, i mean catch up and stuff your backlogs were built for this time your your yeah. backlog of everything those those piles of books you've not read that you've been accumulating for years the video games you've got on steam because you've been buying stuff in sales for the past 10 years this is what it was all been leading to is the backlog nature found a way to give you time so use it so thank you once again we'll see you next time and never get sick in the speed force